Hey, everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are talking about not one, not two, but three movies all in one. That's right. We're diving into the recently released Fear Street series uh, trilogy that is on Netflix. And to help me break this down, I have my good friend Anthony Lowry here to talk about this with me. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure. I know we've been talking for a while about trying to figure something out when you had said that you'd seen all three of these and I was halfway through the first and I was like this you know this could probably work because these movies are really really good I uh, I ended up really enjoying them and so we're gonna talk about all three of them uh, in order kind of talk about what we liked if there were things in it that we didn't like uh, the performances all of that sort of stuff and if I'll be curious we haven't talked yet if you actually read the Fear Street books uh, growing up at all or I, I don't know even know when they came out I didn't read them but uh, if you, <laughs> if you uh, ever did you know maybe we can uh, did you read them I did not I didn't oh, okay, even know cool. I mean I knew that R.L. Stein has made plenty of books but I did not know that this was one of them yeah, yeah. I was very pleased too, especially because they really lean into that R rating on all three of these. And I yes. don't necessarily think that RL was, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I'm going to write R rated kids books. But I, I think they pulled it off well, I guess. And I would say before we dive into any movies, just as a trilogy as a whole, what did you think of this? I thought it was, it was pretty good. I thought it was surprising. Um, you know, these were originally the first one was supposed to come out theatrically in June of 2020. Oh. But then COVID happened and their distribution deal with, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, uh, fell through. So then ultimately Netflix ended up picking up the rights to these. So, um, you know, this was kind of a surprise because the first trailer didn't even come out until May of this year. And then they were released in July. So saw the trailers, was really excited, thought this was something that my wife and I would both enjoy. And first day that part one came out, we fired it up. Yeah, uh, I didn't even know there was trailers for it. I guess maybe I had seen them. I, I typically don't watch Netflix movie trailers because I don't know where. Like, was it on Netflix or was it on YouTube or something? Um, to be honest with you, I don't remember where I saw a majority of them. Mm-hmm. But I do remember once I saw the first one, I think I saw a few more the couple couple weeks after. But I don't even remember where I saw them. I, I mean, there's so many streaming services and ways to watch TV and movies now. I can't keep anything straight. Yeah, but yeah, honestly, this this right here is like the embarrassment of riches. This is uh, the equivalent of what I would call the Disney release method of like, hey, you know what? We've got this. Imagine if Lord of the Rings had come out like <laughs> it tried to come out, failed. Netflix bought it, and then we got Fellowship of the Ring week one, Two Towers week two, right? <laughs> like back to back to back. Honestly, I don't think people would have enjoyed it as much. These are completely different though in terms of you know they're not half as long, but right. I just loved that idea of like. Okay, here's our first movie. Awesome. Don't have to wait too long for the next one. Next week comes out. And I waited. So we didn't watch any of them until the third one came out. So we Mm -hmm. were able to just watch them back to back to back, which played out really nicely. Yeah, we watched them the the Friday they came out. So were you scared watching them? Were they no. as scary as you? Yeah, there, no. eh, there I mean, were a couple of jump spots, I thought, but did, it wasn't I mean, super scary. To be honest, I, I mean, not trying to be any macho man, not much really <laughs> scares me. I mean, the you know, the casual jump scare that's 
can scare anybody for the most part, but no, I didn't, uh, I didn't have any trouble falling asleep those nights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's funny. I, I didn't either. And I, I, I would say I'm definitely a couple pegs below you in that regard. <laughs> there are some things that definitely scare me and I, I do get nightmares, but uh, nothing about this movie. So I, I think that's a win for the future for definitely, you know, for rewatches. So uh, let's dive into this first one. So the, I, I love this too, that all the titles are just the years. And so when I had first seen this, and I, you know, I talked with, it's funny. I talked to my brother last night about this cause he hasn't seen the movies. And I was like, yeah, it's a trilogy. It's uh, it's 1994, 17, seven, uh, 1978 and 1666. He was like, why are they in reverse order? And I was like, that's a really great question. But I feel like when you're watching the movies it makes so much sense for them to be in the order that they're in. But it's a fair question when you're looking at it of like, yeah, it probably should be the 1666 first. But the way that they dive into it in each of these films it's like you need that next movie to kind of get the pieces of it. And I'd seen some people talking about it at the beginning. Uh, I watched a, a review of the first movie and the guy was like, I, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen in the next ones, but I predict that the characters go back in time to 1978 and then go back in time to six. And I was like, Oh dude, you're so wrong. But, uh, but it, it's funny that, you know, people were generating that kind of conversation around just the date piece of it. Yeah. I, uh, and after seeing all three and I know we talked the other day, I wasn't a huge fan of the first half of 1966. I mm -hmm. felt like it was very cookie cutter Salem, witch. you know, didn't, I didn't see anything really original about it other than the, you know, the, the Sarah fears character was being played by Dina mm -hmm. and, you know, that whole possession type thing going behind it. But uh, I feel like if that would have been the first part that I saw, I would have tapped out. I, I mean, an hour into oh, yeah. six, uh, 1666, I would have been like, all right, I'm not seeing anything that's jumping out at me. So. So I, th I really enjoyed the way they did it, the order they put it out in. Um, fun fact, they actually, so they filmed them back to back to back, but they actually filled, filmed 1994 and then 1666 and then 19, was it 78, you said? Oh, that kind of makes sense, I guess, because it's the same cast in 1666, so it might as well like get them all, keep them on the stage sort of thing. Yeah, so, which, I mean is weird you know not a lot of things are filmed in order uh anymore other than what mad max fury road was actually filmed in sequential order but uh yeah so i thought that was kind of interesting little fun fact about it yeah that's super cool so uh this first one uh or i guess you'd say all three of them they're uh, directed by lee Jan uh, janiac or janiac i like we've been talking i like janiac because <laughs> she's kind of a maniac in that it, it is a, a female right yeah so we're talking about, yes yes okay cool so she, yeah she directed those she directed a movie called honeymoon and that honestly looks about it actually she directed two episodes of the scream tv series which is great because i saw on a piece here i've got some things up this first movie she said was heavily influenced obviously by 1990s slasher films including scream which is you know obvious uh, from the entire movie very obvious definitely for that. definitely scream <laughs> Yeah, you get the uh, you get the opening bit with a very well known actor that uh, you know doesn't make it through the opening credits, kind of like Drew Barrymore in Scream with yep. uh, Maya Hawk, which was great to see. Loved seeing her, and it was funny. There's a there's an interesting kind of breadcrumb there, I guess you could say, an Easter egg of uh, as I was watching this, I was like, these movies feel like Stranger Things, but uh, and have you seen the, that show? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you were you a fan of that show at all? Uh, yeah, I love that show. Can't yeah, wait for yeah. season four to come out. 
Yeah, huge fan too. That last season was my favorite season, but there is something about that show that's very, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's like not gimmicky, but there, it's like, oh, we get it. The show's in the 80s. Like, we get it. Don't right. We, yeah. You don't need to hammer that home with us. But yeah. <laughs> I almost felt like as I was watching these, I kept thinking to myself, this series, this trilogy is a better Stranger Things than Stranger Things was, at least in my opinion. Like, it's the same situation with a bunch of young kids. Their parents are never around. They're having to solve this really terrible mystery by themselves. It takes place in the past. And there's a couple of actors from Stranger Things that are in it. And it has a really great soundtrack. Would you kind of agree or did you think uh, anything different? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, definitely, like you said, with Stranger Things hammering that it's in the 80s. I think uh, in 1994, they definitely hammer that it's in the 90s with the soundtrack with a lot of the product placements in the grocery store towards yeah. the end of it. Um, even, I mean, just a mall is very 1990s especially now with everything oh yeah because uh, <laughs> i don't think anybody goes to the mall anymore um, unless you need funko pops well yeah that's true unless you gotta <laughs> drive as fast as you can to hot topic to hopefully get an alligator loki pop in your possession for we you and seven of your friends <laughs> we are keeping the mall alive we're the ones keeping them in business it was <laughs> funny because i was thinking i was like oh i hope today is not the day they release it because i'm gonna have to cancel and be like hey i'll be right back we can finish this podcast right? later i'm gonna go get a and i would have been like sounds good man i'm gonna go do the same thing <laughs> do we know is it is it today oh i have no idea oh okay and we're I, gonna we're gonna pretend it's not yeah, our friend Kevin hasn't disappointed us yet today, so I assume it's not. That's right. He still has plenty of time to disappoint us, though. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll give him at least till the end of the day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so yeah, you like you said, very '90s, and I did feel that same vibe of like, it, I, I enjoyed it more though because I feel like uh, on top of Stranger Things, you have. I don't, I can't even count the amount of movies, but ready to mind is wonder woman, 1984. I feel like cinema in general is like, Oh, the eighties, let's milk that until it's dry. I've not seen a movie in the nineties in a while where it's set in the nineties. And I liked that. I'm a nineties kid. So um, I I grew up in that mall and uh, no, I, 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 never went to the mall when i was a kid <laughs> you don't uh, have parents you just grew up yeah. in the <laughs> arcade up, in the basement <laughs> i grew up under the tree of seraphir and uh but no but the whole bit was cool like i loved the opening i loved that uh that guy i mean that guy was like a complete idiot but then all of a sudden it's like oh no there's a killer in the mall and you know she can't close the thing and uh, yeah of course not very very tropey of just very true that like 99 out of 100 times a normal day she can close that gate no problem and the one time there's a murderer roaming around the place it's like oh all of a sudden it's broken yeah but you know what it does end up doesn't it end up sort of saving her at the end because doesn't she try to slide under it um, I believe so. Yes. She still ends up dying though. So I guess it didn't really matter. Yeah. But, and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, heavy screen vibes. I mean, oh, as yeah. soon as I saw the killer like running toward her, it very reminded me of very much reminded me of Ghostface and how like loose the costume was. Oh yeah. And like how loose the costume of, and I don't even know if these characters had names other than like skull face, whatever it may have been. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this looks exactly like Scream. And it would make sense that, you know, the director was born in 1980. So when this would have come out was she was she would have been 14 watching movies like that. So uh, what did you think of Maya Hawk being in this and then being I, out of it so quick? I loved it. And it did make me a little sad just because I thought she stole the show and Stranger Things for me just because she had such a. 
I don't even know if it's Shakespearean, but like the way that she talks, she's just, she says things that like everything she says sounds interesting to me. And like, I'm like hanging on to her words and she didn't necessarily have that same accent in this one, maybe a little bit, but I was like, Oh cool. It's Maya Hawk. Like I just learned about her in stranger things. I love her. And, uh, and yeah, and then they killed her. I was like, Oh wow. But then I was like, you know what? I like that. This is the movie that we're getting because like I'm ready for the unexpected. And I was like, okay, I need to prep myself now. That's probably not the last time something's going to happen that I'm not going to be happy with in this movie. And uh, I was right because, you know, as you get to the end of the movie, there are some other kills that I was not a fan of at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm curious to know, did you see the hunt? Oh yeah. Okay. So spoilers, spoilers for that. Um, yeah. So when you see the trailer, it's very, you know, starstruck heavy with, you know, Emma Roberts is in it oh, yeah, and yeah, Ike yeah. Barinholtz is in it. And then you watch the movie and within the first three minutes, they're both dead. And I mean, they don't even have names like in Emma Roberts, her character's name was yoga pants. And then Ike Barinholtz was Staten Island. Like they don't even give these people names because they're in and out immediately. Yeah. And I'm curious to know if there's any statistics out there on how long people will watch movies for on Netflix you know, let's say we both turn this movie on and it's a nobody actress and we're like, you know, eh, whatever, this is fine. And then turn it off. Yeah. Versus if we turn it on and it's Maya Hawk and we recognize her from Stranger Things and we recognize her from anything else that she's in and think, oh, you know what? She's in this. Cool. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then she dies and you're like, ooh, I wonder how else this is going to surprise me. Yeah. Versus saying like, you know what? I'm done. I mean, there could have been people too who are like, oh, Maya's not even in the rest of this movie. Like, all right, I'm just going to turn it off. Yeah. Uh, there is not, I, I don't think there's any data you could actually get because the streaming services don't release anything, but I do remember Netflix at one point was talking about their, their like, it was either Netflix or HBO were saying like X amount of streams and they had databased it of people who had pressed play and it, it, it ran for longer than it was either 10 or 20 minutes. So that is, even them saying that, like, I was, they have the data. They, they can yeah, they easily tell just, you what it is. They're just never going to tell you what it is. Right. Um, so, yeah. And, and before we dive any more into this, I'll, I'm going to call all the great actors that are in this movie. So we got Kiana Madeira, who is the main character. She plays Dina. Uh, she's been in some other things, too. I feel like I had seen her in something, but I'm, I'm looking through her IMDb. She's probably done a bunch of, it looks like a lot of kids stuff because she's obviously younger. Um, mm -hmm. but I thought she did great. Olivia Scott Welch plays, uh, Sam, her sister or not sister, <laughs> her girlfriend, but, uh, she was this in Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, as much as maybe the, the second one makes you think, but, uh, I'll go, okay. She was in a modern family, but she was also in, she was the girl or one of the girls or something. And I says unbelievable. So I don't know when I saw her, I was like, I've seen her before and something she's, uh, an agent Carter as teen agnes cully whoever that is so i'm sure we have no idea must see her and be like oh that's familiar and then benjamin flores plays uh dina's younger brother and he was oh that's right he was in rim of the world which was another uh netflix movie that wasn't very good uh happy feet 2 and ride along and then uh julia raywald uh who's one of their friends Oh, see, I thought I'd recognized her from something. She hasn't been in anything. These were her. her she does look familiar as well. Yeah, exactly. And then their friend, uh, who let me find his name. Uh, he played. There we go. Fred Hesh Heshinger. 
he was in the woman in the window he plays the weird weird neighbor kid yes that, like, I, I, over. you know what i saw him and i was like okay that kid looks familiar and then i looked it up and saw what he was in and i was like that's all i remember him from but i mean we watched that you know as soon as it came out a couple months ago and i was like well mm-hmm. i guess that's why it's fresh in my mind yeah yeah and you know it's funny too speaking of bo burnham he's also in eighth grade the uh the movie. oh that's right he yeah. is yeah mm-hmm. yeah so that's <laughs> that's pretty crazy uh for those of you that don't know uh and uh, we're still working on it, but uh, we had some jokes planned for Bo Burns inside <laughs> that we may try and weave into this uh, as, as the time goes right. But yeah, I'm looking here too. It looks like they call him Skull Mask. So okay. this this Skull character, and I loved this. I, I loved this every single time it came on. You'd see like somebody and there'd be like a fly flying around them. And you'd be like, oh, uh-oh, they're like possessed or something. And so you don't really know what's going on, but this guy's killing people. And eventually police officer Good, uh, which I love his last name. I didn't, I should have put two and two together, but he, <laughs> uh, he shoots the guy in the head, the kid in the head and the kid dies. And so that's basically the beginning of the movie. And the entire rest of the movie though is uh, Dina is kind of trying to come to terms. She's kind of the troubled youth. I could, I guess you could say one of the cool things I really like about these movies is there are no parents in the movie. And None I at I, all. I think I read something that was saying the director was saying that they really wanted it to feel like uh, kind of like that, you know, they have to do this on their own. This is something only they can figure out, which I really liked. But at the same time, there were so many scenes, especially in this movie, where it felt like the entire town was asleep. And I wonder, <laughs> if, I wonder if that was partially because of Shady Side and the the curse that is on this town. Uh, but it was weird. Like you know, there's that bit where they steal they steal the police car in one of the scenes, and like you know, you even hear no it on the cares. radio, like <laughs> the police car has been stolen. But the entire rest of the movie, like no one chases after them. There's no yeah. Well, issues. they said the police car. I don't think they have another one. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's a very small town, so you'd think everyone knows everybody, but I mean, at the same time, if there's a murderer out there killing people, I'm not going outside, especially if I live in a, a small little town like that. No, nope, I'm just going to go ahead and stay inside. Yeah, and honestly, even if I was the police, I'd be like, honestly, it's probably the killer that stole the car. So we'll go, we'll go buy another car from like a. He must know. really need it. Yeah, he really need, he needs to get out of town, and that's fine. He can go torture Sunnyvale. So yeah, we yeah. get we get the uh, we get the rivalry, which I loved, and this kind of reminded me of like Riverdale. Of you have the mm-hmm. this, the story is set in Sunnyside which is this old town just like Riverdale that has a ton of secrets and we find out is cursed and it has a sister town called Sunnydale or Sunnyvale that is where all the rich people live everything goes right for them and it's it's so strange again because the town has become uh, so complacent and I loved this because it really gets highlighted in the third movie of just this idea of groupthink and people uh not believing in the truth in a sense. And so you've got this entire town that's essentially sleeping on the fact that their town is cursed. And they've gotten to a point now where there are so many killings in this town that it really just seems like they don't even care because it's like, well, you know, that's just part of the town's charm, I guess. There's going to be another axe murderer <laughs> in five years. And they tell, they kind of go back and forth through this. They show you some flashbacks of like, there's been, I think that it's like nine or 10 different types of killers that have, have embodied. There's a, an old pastor that like ripped out the eyes of kids. There's a kid who wears a really creepy mask and bangs a bat on the floor. Yeah, with a baseball bat. Super <laughs> creepy. There's the guy that is wearing like a, a gas mask that is drowning somebody in the water that you see see uh which reminded me of friday the 13th a little bit too there's obviously the friday the 13th killer the guy who's got the bag on his head and carries yeah. an axe 
there's a girl named Ruby Lane who has a, a shaving blade and uh, she apparently killed a bunch of people and killed herself. So it's like all these instances of just serial killer murders, again, that the town is, they know about it and they get it and they blame it on the town. Like they've, they've gotten to the point where they're just like, it's the town, this town is cursed. Yeah, it's in the it's in the real estate brochure when you come to town. Basically, when you go to, when you go to their visitor center, they let you know like, hey, just so you guys know, it's been it's been eight years since the last <laughs> mass murder, so we we think one's coming up. <laughs> yeah, get prepared. Don't go to the mall. <laughs> it's wild, and they uh, yeah. so we we get to this this point where, and I actually like this because I I and correct me if I'm wrong, I did not realize that she had been dating Sam prior to that, I, and I, I I'm wondering if they did that on purpose because she's like filling out a what seems to be like a hate letter to sam mm -hmm. and she's like dear sam and so this whole part i was led to believe it was a it was a guy and i was like okay cool. I, I was she's well. okay cool then maybe that is what they were intending because they get to the scene where she is at they're at a vigil of foot like before the football game for all of these people that just died in the mall like two with days no ago with no fit yeah with no fans <laughs> and the mayor the mayor's there and the kids are like we don't care and it's like yeah, exactly. shut up like the sunnyvale kids are like we don't we don't care at all and so they kind of get into this fight but she starts looking over and seeing sam and at this point you know i'm like oh sam is a real piece of trash like he's groping on this girl you can tell that he's mm -hmm. a sleaze ball and then later on she's she like leaves she can't take it and she's like i gotta get out of here and then sam comes by and it's it's the girl and she was the cheerleader and i was like oh oh wow immediately got me interested because i was like i love again this is another moment of them subverting our expectations and mm -hmm. i loved that and so they get this really intense conversation between the two of them that i was like felt way more intense than the high school conversations i had with people but i mean yeah, exactly it's a cursed town though so maybe there's a there's a lot of energy and it, you can kind of, you almost feel that in that scene where they're talking. I don't remember if there are flies, but I feel like they they were doing really like close-up shots on their faces. And it was mm -hmm. like, you know, the blood of the town is boiling sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and it, you got to think too, definitely back in 1994, it was not as common for people to be out, especially in high school. Yeah, that's true. Or, I mean, now it's weird if you're not, to be honest. I mean, right. in, in every show now, you've got representation for pretty much anybody and everybody and everything you know checking all the boxes and whatnot but yeah back in 94 i don't think a lot of people were flaunting it mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's that was kind of the case here too was that they had been it had been that they were keeping it secret i think mm -hmm. and they weren't really talking with people about it but they were clearly very in love because she's returning all this stuff to her saying i don't want to deal with you anymore and and all of a sudden you start hearing screams because you know the kids have rioted on the football field during this vigil for their dead friends yeah. and you know there's it was just so like you guys come on sunnyvale and so <laughs> at this point i think they just cancel the game or something because they start riding back on the bus and the Sunnyvale kids are tailing them in their car and they're wearing the freaking skull mask. Like, guys, the bodies aren't yeah. even cold yet. Like, this is so <laughs> untasteful. This is too soon. Very, so soon. And uh, so they're like, oh, you know what? Well, let's screw with them. And so Dina's like about to dump like a bucket of ice from the, the thing on the back and she starts getting a bloody nose. And so she drops the the thing, it hits the car and they kind of go off the road and they crash into the forest, which again, in a cursed town is all about perfect timing. They end up crashing into the bones of Sarah Fear, which they don't realize at the time. But when Sam gets out of the car, uh, she touches these bones 
of course she gets a bloody nose too and her blood gets on the bones and suddenly she's having visions which again i think watching this movie for a second time after seeing the others would make it look it will be so good because when you're watching these scenes the understanding is that that's sarah fear beginning her possession of you and so yes. you know you see that and it's like oh no so sam is about to be possessed and I loved it too. Again, you know, she somehow, somehow, and I love this. My wife called this out. She's like, that's a pretty rowdy bus. Like these kids are yeah. like screaming and banging on the windows and cheering. And that bus driver is not saying a thing. And not only that, but after this wreck, someone must've been like, stop the bus. And she clearly ran into the woods. Like I would have been like, no kids, we're going home. Like we have to get home. Yeah. I couldn't even like stand up on the bus back when I was in high school with, yeah. I mean, Okay, I didn't really take the bus in high school that often, except for the first two years. But yeah, no, there was no standing up on the bus. There was no opening. There was no opening the emergency door and throwing Gatorade coolers out at cars behind us. Yeah, I mean, and they're not it blocking just... it. There weren't like kids standing up to block <laughs> the vision from the driver. Like he could see it. No. Um, yeah, no, that, that was wild. But I mean, it's a movie, so it's yeah. a movie about murderers. So I mean, I guess yeah. you can't get too caught up on it. I guess. I, I don't know. I got yelled at a lot for crawling under the seats of the <laughs> when I was a kid. And, and here these kids are having fun doing whatever, but whatever. So, yeah, well, I was also never on a bus with like a, you know, high school sports where I feel like, you know, a football team can get away with whatever they want in high school. So I suppose so. Yeah, I was Maybe never we'll on the that. high school football team. I was on the tennis team and we all just sat still and listened to music on the way to the games. Like we didn't even talk. So, to each other. so funny story. I actually told my wife I was on the tennis team. Uh, oh, nice. Back in high school, I was just a scrawny white kid with glasses. And now I'm just a bigger white kid with glasses. But <laughs> anyway, uh, she was looking through the yearbook and she swam. And then she found, you know, her picture on the swim team. And next page is the tennis team. And she looks at this kid and she goes, is that you? And I was like, yeah, I was on the tennis team. She goes, well, they got they got the name wrong. And I was like, yeah, I know. They sent me a letter saying, hey, sorry. You know, <laughs> that, you know, it would cost too much to reprint it with your name. Like, we're really sorry. We know it's you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so I told her that. And then like three years later, we were with some friends and they're like, yeah, you guys want to go play tennis? And I'm like, eh, nah, I don't, I'm, I'm no good. And Les was like, I thought you were on the tennis team. I was like, oh yeah, I lied about that. <laughs> so for three years, she thought I was on the tennis team. And now I, it's still a running joke between us when we ask, when people ask if we played sports in high school, I was like, well, I played tennis. <laughs> yeah. I, I played tennis theoretically for a year in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's a great story, man. That's funny. I'm, I'm wondering how you're like Loki. I feel like you've got a lot of little mischief, mischievous scamp things that you do like that. I agree. I feel like I do, but <laughs> hey, but that's <laughs> part of the, that's part of the charm. <laughs> Can't tell them all at once. Mm-hmm. I actually, and speaking of lies, uh, my brother and I would tell kids when we were younger that uh, that he had a tail, and <laughs> uh, and they believe we were you know, like we really played it up, and and the easiest way we would always say they'd be like that's not true, and we'd be like yeah it is, and they'd be like well then where is it, and we'd be like obviously <laughs> it got surgically removed, and they'd be like oh okay, and we were like yeah no it was, and it, it, I'd always play it down like no it wasn't anything serious, it was like a nub, like it wasn't like yeah. a full tail. <laughs> Right, like, he, oh, didn't, okay. he, he didn't have a 30 foot dragon tail like, yeah seriously just... you're crazy man <laughs> just immediately gaslight them yeah. uh, which kind of happened surprisingly doesn't happen as much as i thought in this movie which again awesome uh typically in these movies you see a lot of gaslighting and, and obviously we get some gaslighting from the police officer but i love that the friends are all like cool all right sounds good yep come on over and so we get to this point where uh their baby like two of them are babysitting 
uh, uh, two little kids. And then the other two are kind of just sitting at home, but they're starting to hear noises and they're starting to hear rustling outside. And it turns out the skull mask guy is stalking them now, kind of like in mm-hmm. scream. And we don't know much more than that at this point, but we know that the person isn't, uh, isn't trying to get them. And so we see at multiple points, he like jumps into a window and is looking through some clothes and doesn't, again, the people are right there. And when they kind of show up, he leaves. And so we're wondering like, oh, okay, so what is it that this guy wants? And so by the end, you know, they kind of team up and we find out that he was looking for the blood of Sam because whoever's blood gets onto the bones or whatever that ends up being, that person gets hunted down by Sarah Fear's uh, lackeys, basically all of these serial killers from over time. So they essentially rise from the dead and chase after her, which is really cool concept, especially when they started showing like, they can't be killed. Like you can shoot them. You could blow their head off and slow them down for like five minutes, but they're going to regenerate a head or they're going to regenerate their limbs. Like I like that. That really upped the stakes for me. Yeah. Very primal of them to, to, to basically, you know, smell the blood and then just go for it. You know? Yeah. Like shark. Yeah, exactly. Like if there's, you know, two people in the ocean and one's bleeding, the shark's going for that one. He doesn't care about the other one. He's going for the weak one. Mm Mm-hmm. And even so in this too, you know, and, and hats off, I loved, uh, they could have easily made that younger brother kind of like how he was in that other Netflix movie. Cause he kind of acted like a dope in that other movie. Uh, I love that they made him like super smart. He's the one who knows everything about the curse. He's been like studying it and talking in chat rooms about it. Uh, welcome mm-hmm. to the internet. And uh, <laughs> we got one in but uh and i love that too you know he's talking with i think what was it called mistress of the darkness or something like that and i was i was waiting in this for like that to be a reveal that that was sarah fear or something like some secret demon talking on aol messenger Uh, but i liked how it ended up and we'll we'll get to that in the third movie but i thought it was cool you know he, he kind of preps the group he's like hey here's what we're dealing with he shows them all of the people who they killed all of that stuff and so they do i think they actually equate it to a shark and i loved that because they they say okay well actually yes let's use sam as bait and so they go to the uh, pharmacy, or I guess that's just the store. And there's a pharmacy there because one of the friends, their parents, I think, worked or no, he works there. The, the one kid from that uh, room with the window movie, um, he works there and they don't dive too much into his character. But mm-hmm. he said, like, he works that job to support his family because his parents like are abusive or something like that and it's like he's employee of the month every month on the wall every month yeah (laughs) yeah it was like these weird little things that was like oh these kids are actually really cool like they're really good good intentioned kids because when you watch them him and the other girl uh sell drugs yeah but but they're doing so because he has his family to support and she's trying to go to college and she doesn't have a family supporting her either so again you're getting into this whole shady side curse where everyone who lives in shady side is essentially screwed they they've all got like something bad always happens to everyone there and i really liked that yeah and and drugs from a nurse nonetheless you know they do go up to the hospital to see sam after the car crash oh yeah yeah uh yeah i mean what was that guy's name (laughs) mr ebody or um god or no it was doc dr betty and it was Uh, his name was eddie but he wrote a b in front of the e yeah um yeah i mean stealing meds is the kind of thing that gets you to lose your license real quick 
but again the 90s and well, small he, town, he ended up so. losing a lot more than that very yeah, shortly he did. after that so i, <laughs> so think I guess it, all... <laughs> it, it wouldn't matter if they sent him a letter saying hey we're gonna revoke your license because you've been stealing drugs to sell to teenagers <laughs> to sell their teen yeah and i don't even think in this case it sounded like they weren't even paying him but maybe that was because they weren't actually going there for the drugs that time but yeah uh, oh yeah and then that whole bit they're all thinking that it's uh, sam's boyfriend and so they yeah. go into the the room with her and he's there and i loved that the skull guy just shows up and kills him in yeah. front of everybody like okay the secret's out and he's also killed three other people in the place so it's like i just loved that the kills were relentless in this movie yeah i mean for a movie that had such a small cast if you were in it and if you weren't in the top six you you're not gonna make it <laughs> oh yeah well and yeah even some I mean, of those like I people said, weren't safe it, it, it's comical to think and especially in the, the nursing shortage we're in at the moment uh, i wouldn't be surprised to walk into a hospital and see one person working <laughs> i'm like well that actually does seem accurate right now but, yeah um just must have been an unpaid intern mm -hmm. yeah oh wow man the coffee is free <laughs> just like me i'm an unpaid intern <laughs> And uh, yeah. speaking of uh, the shark tank that they refer to, um, yes. it was a, definitely a better metaphor than an alligator tank. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. And alligator <laughs> tank isn't a thing. No, he's just overly sensitive like the rest of us. <laughs> uh, but so after they deal with that in the hospital, they grab Sam. They're like, we need to get the F out of here. And they leave. And then they go, they go run to that place. And so their plan is if they, at this point, they find a uh, they find like an article from the Camp Nightwing massacre that took place in 1978, which at this point I was like, oop, now I know what's going to happen in the sequel. <laughs> but uh, in, in this massacre, a bunch of kids out of camp were killed, uh, but there was one survivor and they're like, oh, you know, we need to figure who we need to talk to the survivor. So they're like looking up in the phone book and they end up calling the person. They don't answer and they leave a message screaming like, dear God, please help. Kind of like, have you ever played the Friday the 13th video game? Uh, I have not. I've wanted to, but uh, because it's so old, I haven't. I mean, I don't want to say it's old. I can't find a physical copy and I'm very like physical copy. So I know uh, I can. I'm just, I'm very physical copy kind of guy, but uh. No, I have not played. I've wanted to. I mean, I know the gist of it where you're either Jason or you're the, the counselors and I, I've seen YouTube videos about it. So yeah, that's uh, it's one of my guilty pleasure games. I, I don't want to admit how many hours I've put into that game, but I still, I still play it. I call it Friday on Fridays, but uh, Friday on Friday. Are you yeah. PlayStation or Xbox? Xbox, Xbox. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but I'm, where was I going with this? I'm trying to remember. Oh, because the, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see if I can find out what I was doing with that. But anyway, she's reading this thing. She call. Oh, it's like when they call the character in the game. So like when you're calling Tommy Jarvis for help, uh, the person like gets on the phone and they're just like, please help us. And you're just, you're holding a, while the thing fills up and it's like, yeah. Jason is coming. He's coming, please. But no, you know, <laughs> and so that's what they're basically saying. And, and they just leave a message and they're like, well, we're, we're screwed. But then they look a little further in the article and it says that the survivor uh, died. And mm -hmm. so they go, Oh, they think at this point, that is how you break the curse is that if you die, Sarah, you know, her hold on you is over. She stops fighting you. So their plan now is we need to kill uh, Sam. And I loved this because she was at first was like, I didn't know. And then she was like, yes, we're going to do this. And then they're like, actually, we're just going to have you OD on pills. And she's like, oh, okay. Like that sounds super easy. And I love that. They're like, here, take this pile of pills first. And then in five minutes, take this pile. It of was pills. so many pills. It was, it, it was, I was like, like, that can't be like, I feel like half those pills would have done the job. 
I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. It looked like there was 35 pills oh, that easy. she had to take over over a 15 minute span. <laughs> and they kept like dropping them. They're like, oop, oop, that's okay. We're good. Yeah. And we're just going to go by the word of a couple 15 year olds, fit, well, 15, 16 year olds. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize you guys were a pharmacist. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. They didn't even ask how much she weighed. And look, that's an important. I know, right? Information you need to know. You don't just go to get your wisdom teeth taken out and they just eyeball you. And you're like, oh, I feel like you need this amount of drugs. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, and they, they did a good job of it making sense for the movie, though, because earlier when they're talking at one point, they're talking about a friend of theirs who was like some big guy who OD'd and died and came back. They were like, it was something about like, you shouldn't be doing drugs. You're just going to OD. And they're like, yeah, one of our friends OD'd, but he didn't die. So technically no one we know is OD'd. Like it was played out as a joke, but then that's right. what comes up here is they're like, hey, we actually knew somebody who OD'd. Here's what he took. And that's a great point because it's like, it was definitely an adult man. <laughs> and you're looking at maybe like an 80, 90 pound uh, high school girl. So yeah. yeah. And so she's, you know, they're like, come on. And she's like taking the pills. The rest of them have, have rubbed some of her blood on themselves so that they can distract the, the evil creatures as they come. And she's gone through, uh, I think she takes two sets of the pills. Two, two. Yeah. Like someone hits, they, they're like, we got to get up. And so like they hit it and the pills fly everywhere. So it's like, well, that's not going to work now. And uh, as this is going, this was super stressful in a really good way. Like I loved how, especially as the kills started coming in, how they just, they were like, we're going with this. Like, this is how the mm -hmm. story is. So not only do both of her friends die, so we get some pretty insane deaths. We get uh, the one girl is dragged through the uh, Kate is dragged through like a is that a mandolin? It's like a different kind of mandolin. It was right? it was a bread slicer. See, I don't know. I'm old fashioned. I'll use a knife. I don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a grocery cool. store. So. I know, but like that, I've never seen one of like. Is that how they slice their bread and they do yeah, it out in I'll, the open? Yeah. Well, our at at uh my store it's in the back room next time i'm at work tomorrow Redacted. i'll take a picture of it i'll take a picture of it and i will uh i'll show you exactly what it looks like and it yeah. looks exactly like that but uh so as soon as kate kissed josh you know the you know he's infatuated with her oh, as soon as that yeah, happened yeah, i was yeah. like oh yeah you're 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 a goner i know you're and i wanted them it. to i wanted they were they were end game yeah well and honestly that death was probably one of my favorites of the whole series oh yeah <laughs> and i i did read too that um lee the director she was very adamant about it she wanted to do that and then the producers were like that's not possible it wouldn't work you know it wouldn't actually kill somebody like that so the production went out and bought a bread slicer and a watermelon oh no and they fed it through and it absolutely tore it up so then they were like <laughs> all right we can do that we can go ahead yeah. and just all right it, it checks out wow so, yeah. that's awesome yeah that one was absolutely intense and it, it, they even play it out as like someone's gonna come save her like they keep doing like the the, the close-ups and then she's mm -hmm. like you know really holding on and you're waiting for someone to pull the plug or and and it never happens and it just goes through and i was i like i start i started like i got chills i was like oh my god like they they really did it and then you got the the other the other guy uh look at his name again simon uh same thing he could have been the jerky drug dealer but i loved that part in it when he's talking with the kid and he's like you need to go investigate over there and the guy he's like i don't i can't do it blah 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 he's like look kate sees something in you 
and uh, you're a really good guy and like you need to embrace that and see it for yourself. And I'm like, what are you doing giving these pep talks right now, dude? You're awesome. <laughs> and then of course he gets ha- he gets a hatchet to the head yeah. and uh, holy cow, same thing. I was like, oh, like he, he was just peaking at that point. Like he really was a good guy. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> again, I mean, you had to know who was going to make it and who yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I mean, and if I you're like, picking, no. the brother and sister are going to survive. <laughs> and yeah, the exactly. Yeah, I'm like, no. It, it, <laughs> if I barely even know your name by now at this point of the movie, you're not going to, I'm not going to see it when the credits start to roll. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I think it, it, it it's a testament to their performances. I think they they killed it. I think everybody killed it in all three of these movies. Like, I don't think there was a single person where I was like, Oh, they kind of suck. And maybe, maybe you thought of some, but uh, at least those two, I, I was mad when they died, but yeah, I don't remember their names. So it was like per- yeah. perfect for this type of movie though. That's what you want. Like when you're, at, when you're watching a slasher, you don't need the ins and outs. You don't need the characters. You just want a good movie. And so mm-hmm. for them to go that extra mile to actually give good performances. And I know we both have seen a hundred horror movies where, it's like a trash fest and just a cringe to watch. So I, I applaud them for actually going all out on it. Yeah. Um, I was a huge fan of the actress that uh, plays Dina. Um, yeah. Shana Madeira. Mm-hmm. I was a huge fan. Like immediately first 20 minutes, I was like, okay, I, I like this actress. So I very yep. anxious to see what she, what path she goes down and hopefully doesn't get typecasted into these horror movies so well and i think i think they set her up in such a way that she's basically like a sort of action hero in a sense like she's not necessarily the damsel in distress she takes charge Mm -hmm. of everything in this movie and she has a completely different role in the third movie which i think is fantastic really stretching her legs and with like the accent and all of that i thought was fantastic uh but yeah you know did you ever see orange is the new black part of it like first season oh no you saw in the heights right I did. So the the two like aunties who always show up, one of them is the girl from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. The other one is uh, her, not her, but looks just like her. The one from Orange is the New Black. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. They look, um, uh, we, we kept saying like that, they look identical, except she's obviously younger and smaller, like a tinier version. Right. And of course the name escapes me, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. I don't remember her name either, but she's been popping up in some things too. I was really, I was honestly really happy to see both of them in, in the Heights. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I didn't realize that they were singers because she plays such a mean character in Brooklyn. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was weird. Her voice kind of threw me. And I don't know if you've rewatched like the first few episodes, like the pilot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but that's what she sounds like in the pilot. Like she's almost, I mean, she definitely talks different in the most recent ones, but oh yeah, and I've only seen some of the older ones. I've not watched a lot of that show. I probably okay, yeah, I mean that because I I restarted it on Hulu one day just to oh, but uh yeah, and I I heard her, and you know any pilot you watch, especially of a show that's been on for five plus years, uh and yeah, that actress we were talking about is Dasha Polanco. That I knew uh, Dasha. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they kind of don't they kind of look alike? Yeah, I can see it. One has curly mm-hmm. hair and one doesn't. <laughs> yeah, minus the hair. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so we get to this point where now they both died. The drugs are kind of doing their thing. And I love this bit because I didn't catch on right away, but she looks down the aisle and sees the lobster tank. And I was like, is she going to 
like prick her with a lobster like she didn't have the lobster <laughs> bite her or something uh, but then i was just, just like set a whole oh, bunch of lobsters on her wait oh four she's hours. gonna <laughs> drown her friend her girlfriend so uh which i think is uh, interesting in this regard like i wonder and i i feel like maybe do they dive into it of like that felt like an emotional release for her because she was so pissed off at sam for so long that i feel like yeah, drowning I mean, her is a really good way of kind of burying that hatchet of like she probably wanted to kill her at one point right and now she's actually having to kill her and so i feel like that kind of released a lot of emotions for her so that she can now be like okay i actually want to be with you again yeah i feel like it you you have to have some anger or a little bit of hatred for a person to i mean to drown them in a lobster tank exactly so I mean, easily too <laughs> yeah exactly like doesn't let up once just head in the water being held down yeah. there because i don't think sam was being <laughs> very still while she was being drowned no she was so. definitely fighting and uh, that whole part was super intense because you've got all of the the bad uh, creatures are coming towards them as she's like the time is running out like damn it sam come on die already like it's taking you forever <laughs> and so she eventually does and when she dies, all of the creatures disappear, which was like, man, if only they'd have drowned her right in the beginning, right? We could have uh, saved uh, Kate and Simon. Right. But that's <laughs> not the movie. So uh, she's down there. They're trying to resuscitate her. They they hit her with, in my opinion, humble opinion, way too many EpiPens. I'm sure you-, you So uh, many EpiPens. I, would, I, I was like, okay, they got the one and maybe they would be like, <laughs> this isn't working. And then like do a second one. But they were like, one two three yeah four i'm like, I'm like it, oh my god so and i did ask my wife i was like isn't that a little excessive and she was like i mean usually once you hit them once they come back like immediately and i was like yeah. okay well then yeah that was definitely way too many then yeah and i was almost wondering because you know by the end of it uh we find out that the curse is still around and that she mm -hmm. just because she died uh doesn't mean she's free from it which we actually again coming back to that third movie i was like i was actually kind of confused i was like well then what like what is this what what's the because they all disappeared the, the the creatures disappeared so what's going on and i almost was wondering for like half a second i was like is it because she had too many EpiPens that like <laughs> she turned into like a zombie because of that but we find out later that it's because she was chosen as the next serial killer the next murderer so she was basically turned into the a creature of death at that point yeah. but by the end of the movie they bring her back to the house they tie her up and they get a phone call back from uh and i'm, I'm blanking on the actually i'll just pull up the second one but uh it is uh ziggy berman and so she calls them back and they're like who what do you want which is weird right they called them they called her from the like grocery the store hospital. Right? or the hospital and they call she calls the them back at the house so she, <laughs> i thought ziggy's the exact got, same thing ziggy's got I'm her like, phone number <laughs> She looked it up in the white pages. She must have left her, her name, her parents' name. Go ahead and look me up. But yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, how did how did they get the home phone number? Well, and they did that too. They did, maybe she had a phone book as well because they they start zipping through the phone book to find C. Berman, uh, played by yeah. Jillian Jacobs, who is from uh, Community. Yeah, Britta. Uh, and uh, I I'm not a it's not that I'm not a big Community guy. I just have not seen a lot of it. But I know I've seen her from something else. She was also, she was in a horror movie recently. Um, um, what was she it? was the mom. Hold on. She was Harley Quinn in Injustice. Oh. Invinci she was in Invincible. Uh, she was, oh, did you see the movie Come Play? Uh, no, I didn't. It's, uh, yeah, about a monster named Larry that manifests itself through smartphones and mobile devices. She was oh, the wow. mom in that. Yeah, it was a feature film uh, version of a 2017 short film, kind of like Lights Out was. 
mm-hmm. how it started as a short film and then became. She was in, uh, I'm looking here too. She was in uh, Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. She was in the Toes episode, if you ever watched any of Are you a big Tim and Eric guy? No. But you I liked. Think I, I think I know what you're talking about. But You liked I Think You Should Leave though? Yeah, I think I'm like three episodes in. It's easy because they're only like 17 minutes. I can just yeah. blow through them, but I have to find the time to just blow through them. No, I know. It always feels like there's so much time, but you spend so much of that time wondering how much time you have. And by the end of it, the time is gone. There's no time. Yeah, yeah exactly. No time. Well, <laughs> and when I was talking to Brian yesterday, I had a list of shows that I was trying to watch. So Ted Lasso was top of that list, which I did start. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, I don't have Apple TV, so I am exempt from that until I'm forced to get it. I know, I know. But the, so the we're gonna we're gonna st- pause this conversation about Ted Lasso. I and what I will say is for anyone interested in Ted Lasso, Brian has a fantastic episode of it on his podcast. I believe it's United We Fan. Uh, look, I think it's like a two-hour episode. So if you're a fan of Ted Lasso or you're wondering what's Jason Sudeikis up to, why don't you hit up United We Fan and listen to him on that? Because we will not be talking about Ted Lasso <laughs> on comics and cinema. We are gonna be talking about uh, Fear Street. Part two, 1978. I, I liked, uh, and I'll ask you too, how did you like kind of like the transitions for the movie? So like, I, I really liked how the movie kind of ended and then it would say to be continued. And then it gave you like a, almost like a trailer of mm-hmm. the next movie. And then it went to the credits. Did you like how they did that? Yeah. Um, I thought it was an interesting way to do it, especially with the weekly release instead of just the Mm. you know typical netflix just put it all out at once so usually you know you don't see and even with a lot like disney plus like you don't get trailers for the next episode for anything which sometimes is nice but when it's a movie yeah you do there's a hundred million clips and trailers that they post every single day online (laughs) i mean when you're actually watching oh yeah like when you're watching loki it doesn't end with you know next week on yeah. But yeah, no. You if only it did though, right? I would pay a million dollars if they did a next week on instead of a previously on. And yeah, so when the finale aired, I closed my eyes and plugged my ear. I muted it and closed my eyes and told my wife, I was like, tell me when it's over because I don't want to be, I don't want it to be ruined. Kind of like WandaVision was where yeah. they made it obvious what was going to happen. So she, she was kind of looking at me like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I know, but just tell it's, me when it's done. It really isn't though, because I, I feel like th- this was something I wanted to, I wanted to suggest to Disney the last time Dr. Disney and I were talking yeah. and uh, I was going to tell him like once the, I feel like once any series, whether it's because the Mandalorian does that too. Uh, once the series is out fully for mm-hmm. I fine a year, I would argue six months, take off all of the previously ons out of them because at the, those previously ons are helpful for the person who watches the show once doesn't think about it for an entire week comes back and doesn't really know what's going on but for the for if they're all out and you're binging it like you don't need those previously ons anymore and i did notice that there was one episode that had a skip preview uh, mm-hmm. which I use, but yeah, every time since every time I just fast forward through that part and then press play when the opening credits start. Cause I can't, I can't do it. It's such a waste. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, before uh, we get too much into 1978, yeah. was there anything about the revival of Sam that stood out to you? Like, did it remind you of anything? Uh, when they brought her back Yeah. Uh, in the supermarket, uh, is it, was it supposed to, did it remind you of something? Pulp fiction. Oh, didn't didn't register for me. Yeah, very Pulp Fiction with the adrenaline shot. Too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Except yeah, that it was so. a late, because what was it? They, they plugged her with all of it, and then they started doing CPR on her. Mm-hmm. 
And then eventually she started throwing up some of the pill stuff, right? Yeah. Like she had like foam mouth or whatever and, and caught. Yeah. Okay. okay. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Olivia Scott Welch did an interview and she basically said she was like, yeah, it was like my, it was like a Pulp Fiction moment. Oh, nice. Okay, and cool. So, yeah. She, she was really excited that that made it into the script. So. Well, good. Yeah, I love anyway. that. They they did a lot of call outs to that throughout this movie. So yeah, I would say I, I gave the first one an eight. Actually, I'll say it now. I gave an eight out of 10 to all three of the movies. Uh, this is something that I like only because I feel like they work so well together that I, I was really waiting for like, which one's going to be a dip in the series. And for me personally, they all have their own merits and, and reasons to be liked. Uh, well, what did you think overall, though, of the first one? Overall, uh, first one, I think that was actually my favorite of the three. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people say the third one was their favorite or the best, however you want to phrase it. But I really enjoyed 1994. So I definitely give it an eight out of 10 as well. Yeah, that's an interesting phrasing. We use that a lot here at Comics and Cinema. There is a defined difference between favorite and best. Uh, yes. Your favorite movie can be the worst movie ever, but the, be <laughs> the best movie needs to be objective. So I, I think you're right. The first one could be your favorite, but the third one's the best. <laughs> oh no we'll, we'll we'll get into that when we get into that but yeah still still same director everything's the same i love that same actors and we literally pick up in this first one right where we left off so they are with uh c berman jillian jacobs and not like people i guess or some people were predicting they don't go back in time this movie is essentially a detour uh in a really cool way but it's essentially them asking her like hey what happened? Like, how, how did you survive? What, like, how can we survive? Because we've got this girl tied up in our trunk right now, who <laughs> I love very much. And, and she's, right. uh, she's back there and she's frothing at the mouth trying to kill us. So we need your help. Um, I, I loved her. I thought her as an adult was really interesting. I loved that she had like a million alarm clocks and was super stressed yeah. out. I, I wondered, maybe I missed it. Do they ever go into why she was like that? I obviously no. like you know maybe it's because of the trauma of the murders yeah i got trauma was... and ocd i mean because the one goes <laughs> off and then that's like her okay check all the locks right and then she goes and she touches every lock all, all 35 locks on the door um goes through and then does all the windows but the one when I th it was either a knock at the door or the phone rang and then the it was the phone in her kitchen okay so then yeah, yeah she was just about to lock the kitchen window hey just don't ever unlock it then I know. You don't right? have to worry about <laughs> what are you doing with that yeah, window? That, You're not I was going wild. I'm like, okay, so you've got an alarm <laughs> that's going off daily for you to make sure everything's locked, and one of them's already unlocked. Like, did you open the yeah. window previously? And that was interesting. My wife said the same thing too. She's like, wow, like look at that OCD. But I was like, I don't necessarily know if that is OCD because, I, and, and it maybe is a, a mild form of it. But when I've watched like the uh, those shows like Obsessed and all of that, it's like. I have to check the locks multiple times every day, even though I know they're already locked. Like I, I go there 16 times and go back and forth. I have a ritual. Whereas hers felt more like it's X amount of time. Make sure all your doors are locked. Like it, it mm -hmm. felt more of like a, she uh, not necessarily like she was compelled to do it more so that she just wanted to make sure everything was locked every night because somebody's coming in. Am I, am I off base though? No, I think you're, you're right on base. Uh, definitely like a schedule. It was yeah, just a, yeah here's the schedule for my day which and maybe that's because she can't cope day. with life because uh, yeah, her sister <laughs> got mutilated in front of her and in front of us honestly that scene in this movie was probably the most intense scene of this entire series uh it on in my opinion maybe went on a little too long but we'll uh, we'll get to it when we get to it uh so yeah so the kids the kids they get they get through the window and it was like uh what 
Didn't they, they come through the window, don't they? Yeah, they climbed through yeah, the Yeah, they climbed through the stranger's <laughs> window. And I, at this point, it's like, oh, that'd be like if somebody broke into your house and was like, whoa, whoa, no, it's okay. I'm a Funko fan too. Like, we've got, <laughs> we've got a connection. It's like, no, yeah, you like, still it's need totally to fine. <laughs> we, we've, we're being stalked by the same spirit. Um, yeah, and I can't imagine that she had stairs leading up to her bay window in her kitchen. So I need to know. No, there's definitely some like up lifting there. up a little bit of a, he- a heaving. <laughs> they br- sort of they brought their own ladder. That's, that's the part we didn't see was Sam yes. was in the trunk next to the ladder they used to break into people's house. Yeah, it's just like a step ladder too. It's only like two steps <laughs> to get up to that window. Uh, was it was it at the beginning of this movie or the end of the last movie when? And I, I liked this. This was a, I loved this trajectory of the character. I sort of liked the cop in the first movie because i was like oh this guy's a piece of trash he's a complete idiot he's he doesn't believe them but she continuously is like trying to tell him and he says like if he's like i want to help you and i liked that again not knowing anything i was like okay i hope she can like come to him in the future because somebody needs to believe these kids and uh i liked when and i maybe this was my fault i was like looking at i could have swore when he goes up to the house he like writes something on a note slides it through the door and it says it's happening again mm-hmm. and i thought he was going to dina's house because that w- was the porch of dina's house like with the screen door and all of that so mm-hmm. i guess maybe uh c berman has the same porch because i'm pretty sure he's dropping off at, at ziggy's house right i i just assumed when you know c berman picks it up that it was her house i mean right, small exactly. town, they've all got the same door yeah it's all cookie cutter houses yeah yeah i i didn't even pay that much attention to okay. it to be honest okay i liked that though because i was like ooh, okay so that's a like there's something going on with this police officer and, and ziggy and we obviously find that out so now it's like all right let's sit down and then the rest of this movie is let me tell you a story which is such a cool uh scary movie type trope that we don't see very often, but it felt very goosebumpy of like, all right, gather around and I'm going to tell you this story by the fire because the fire was roaring as well. And so we then get the rest of the movie is actual 1978. And it is now one of my favorite characters. We're getting the Friday the 13th homage, which I thought was fantastic. I really liked it. The tropes were there uh, in every which way. And then they even went further with it because I loved how the Sunnyvale kids hated the uh, shady side and uh did i say those right shady side sunny bale right yes yeah 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 yeah. and they're like you know they're about to do the the capture the flag and it's like shady said has never won in like 60 years he has 78 years or something like that (laughs) yeah just so great like there's so much animosity between the groups and then you've got that absolute uh, trash witch of a girl that's like mean to Ziggy and now we get this is I think the first and possibly only person from Stranger Things in here uh, Sadie Sink who plays the younger version of C. Uh, Berman as Ziggy Berman uh, her and her sister played by Emily Rudd are uh, kind of siblings at this camp she's one of the camp counselors the police officer Good is another camp counselor there as well and then there's also Ryan Simpkins plays Alice, uh, who's one of the friends, and Tommy Slater played by McCabe Sly, who is the boyfriend of Cindy. He was an interesting character, I, I thought, especially in his performance in the second movie too. But what did you think of the sort of relationships between the camp counselors and just that whole vibe of this movie? Um, it was definitely, I mean, just summer camp. 
exactly mm-hmm. what summer camp is. I mean, I remember going to fifth grade camp and yeah, it was basically just all the kids were always together. All the camp counselors were together. Somebody was always getting yelled at. Somebody was doing the wrong things. Nobody was trying to hang anybody from a tree when I was there. <laughs> oh, that's but, right. That's uh, how it opens up. Yeah. They're calling her a witch and they're trying to hang her from a tree um, at 13 years old, however old they're supposed to be. But uh, yeah, I mean, just the the typical camp counselor, you know, the, the burnout, you know, Alice plays the, you know, and I can't remember what was the drama between Alice and Cindy. I think it's that they both are from shady side, but they, uh, what was it? She is like, Cindy's basically like have has moved on in a sense. Yes, Where like yes, maybe they yes, used to right. be friends and now she's like, I'm gonna be a popular kid. Yeah, now she feels like she's above yes. Shady Side and, and all that it's represented. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it it was weird too because I mean there was the you know, I guess you could say the sex scene in it, which oh yeah watching this yeah. I mean these were all rated R, which I was surprised because all I can think of from R. L. Stein is goosebumps. Yeah. with Jack Black <laughs> yeah. and I'm like well that wasn't rated R so then when I see this and I mean obviously with the amount of violence that's in it it was but you know it was just it was I can't I, I don't know why I thought it was surprising but I thought it was it was a, yeah it definitely was a little bit but then I started I was like okay yeah we have to have like that is the Friday the 13th trope that was like mm-hmm. the kids who are having sex and doing drugs they're gonna get killed like that's the yeah. whole point and so I like that they really laid into it. It was a little more intense than the scenes that you see in those older Friday movies, just because it's an older <laughs> Friday movie. But right. uh, yeah, so there's there's an excessive amount of blood in this movie. I would say this is, I would th- I would say this is the goriest of the three, uh, just because we see so many kills and uh, also so many other evil creatures also doing some kills, but. Trying to remember. Oh, yeah. So the whole witch thing, and I don't think we dove into that, but essentially there's a curse. If, if you guys are following this and haven't seen the movies, uh, there's a curse on Shady Side that back in the 1600s, Sarah Fear practiced witchcraft and cursed the land. She cut her hand off. And so in each of these movies, there's a bunch of lore that they go through. There's poems and, and you know, scripture that is spray painted on the walls and whatnot. And essentially what it is is she, she cut her own hand off and now it's poisoned her. She has poisoned the land until her hand is reunited with her body. And no one can, no one knows where her hand is. No one knows where her body is. And uh, until now, right? Like at the end of the first movie, we find out, we know where her body is now. Her body is where that car crashed in the woods. So that the rumor was, and you find out in this movie that like she was hung for witchcraft on this tree in the field by this camp. And this is the same area where the town of Union was, uh, which becomes Shadyside and Sunnyvale. Like the, this giant town of Union, again, I guess gets broken off into the two towns. One of them is cursed and one of them is not. And, uh, and so she gets hung on this tree. She's buried beneath the tree. So it's like a very haunted tree. And I'll comment on this too. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I love the red moss. I thought that red moss was super like a super cool thing. I could almost feel it whenever they would touch it. Like it just felt very like vibrant, but like fluff. It almost felt like cotton candy almost. Yeah. And then that definitely uh, comes to play at the end of this one, I believe. And then Mm -hmm. even in the second half of 1666, where you see it start to spread 
Yeah, that was really cool. That was super cool. And so obviously we find out so much more about Sarah Fear in the third movie. And I love that her name is spelled F-E-I-R or is it F-I-E-R, whatever it is. It's, it's, it sounds like fear, but it is not spelled like fear, uh, which is cool because they should yeah. have just called this Fear Street that way. But, you know, we yeah. got we well, got to earn that. Sheriff Good is also spelled G-O-O-D-E. So right. Yes. Yeah. Good is evil. But uh, whoops, excuse me. So, uh, so they're they're talking about all this, and and uh, Ziggy is is basically about to get killed, and because she stole something, though she probably didn't actually steal it, maybe she did. And so some of the camp counselors come, and they're like, "Hey, like, what the hell's going on here?" And it's like, "Oh, but we're gonna crucify you, but all of these other people get out of here, you scamps!" And I, the, cl- <laughs> the classic summer camp trope of the girl gets picked on, and nobody believes her except yeah. for sort of believes her uh nick good who kind of is crushing on her and so then now we get we get a really deep dive into ziggy and her her sister cindy and kind of where they're at and so they're again we never see their parents but her dad their dad has left them and their mom is an alcoholic and out of work is that Am I remembering that right yes okay okay yeah so they have like no parents but they do have money to come to the summer camp and yeah. <laughs> uh, to also buy their fancy clothes which she calls out ziggy like reams into her sister about you know oh yeah we get it shady side is a cursed town but you need to stop acting like you're above that because you're also from shady side and buying a new polo shirt is not going to fix that uh very uh i would say like a very brutal conversations that she has as mm-hmm. what i'm assuming like a 12 to 13 year old i was like wow you are I mean, not only with the language, which is, you know, fine. I, I'm not bothered by that, but I was just like, wow. Okay. You've got a lot of anger built up in there. Cindy Lou. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't have any siblings. I know you said you have a brother. So yeah, I've got is two that a, a fair, would those conversations happen often? Not no. necessarily in the extent, but I, I, I have a weird family though. Like we don't, we didn't, our arguments are usually superficial and mostly comedy based. So we don't like, ever actually have serious arguments but i've heard of people having arguments like that or i guess i don't know i've, yeah. I've never well, gotten in that big of an argument with a sibling you lived in that arcade too so i guess you exactly yeah i grew yeah. up in a mall and it's like when you <laughs> when you grow up in a mall you're kind of a mall rat that's what people used to call me and uh it's <laughs> Yeah, but so they so they're at this camp, and I'm trying to think of what happens next. Essentially, you just get your camp, your hijinks, your shenanigans. You get the backstory of the sister and her boyfriend. She's kind of uh, she's not really trying to have a physical relationship with him right now. She's trying to just keep her head down and work hard so she can make more money to get out of uh, shady side kind of the same as everybody else in shady side but her boyfriend's like oh you know why don't we sneak out back like everybody else is doing it and so eventually they get to a point where i think they kiss a couple of times but we're essentially just seeing the dynamics between these characters which was cool and then we get to uh the nighttime and uh we get a two part of this where uh ziggy's her arch rival like spray paints her room with you know ziggy is a witch burn the witch classic sarah fear uh propaganda and so nick good sees her she's like hiding alone in a cabin getting ready to do a carry type situation she's like creating blood with paint and he says i have a better idea and i didn't get this when i first saw it he said she's like well what is it he goes what about something with science and nature? And I was like, what, are you like a witch dude? But then like they get to the place <laughs> and it's called science and nature. I was like, Oh, that's, yeah. 
the name of the activity. Cool. <laughs> but so they ended. That, that's where they were going. <laughs> that's where they were going. And so they they prank this girl. They they trick her into going into the outhouses, and inside it are way too many roaches and spiders and all that stuff. Very very scary. But they get her. They prank her. Uh, what do you think of that whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I definitely carry vibes behind it. Oh yeah. I mean, as soon as, I mean, as, soon as the the can of paint. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, they're definitely going to carry her and then just put her in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, if that happened to me, I probably would have just, I don't know, <laughs> ran as fast as I could through that wooden door. I, I would not be in that dark room, especially in the bathroom with all those bugs and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's an easy fix. You just open the door and walk out and like, <laughs> or jump through the toilet into the ravine below. But yeah, she, she didn't you know it was there. Because through the toilet is always my first go-to when I'm trapped yeah. in a bathroom. Yeah, well, you probably haven't been trapped in a bathroom as many times as I have. So uh, can you remind me, how do the group of four lovers end up in the cave? They are like walking uh. through the woods, right? But like, what was the impetus for that? Were they like going off on a bet? Oh, yes, they were. So they, so there's this whole other side story that I thought was really cool. Have you seen Ozark? Uh, The first season. That's fine. So the bar owner of the Blue Oyster or whatever it's called, um, she is the old lady in the first movie that takes the girls when they're babysitting that is... You know, they take her to the house to watch so that they can go, you know, do their stuff. Yes. And then, in the and then she's the movie, nurse. She's the nurse. So she's, she's Nurse Lane. Nurse. So we yes. find out in here that she is the mother of Ruby Lane who killed all those people. And so she's kind of gone crazy herself just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, back at the beginning, this all started from back in the beginning. Uh, Ziggy burned her arm because they literally tried to light her on fire like a witch, like insane. <laughs> and so she's explaining like, oh, you know, my daughter, blah, 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 like starts going crazy crazy they're like oh something's up with her and uh at one point she tries to kill uh tommy and and i'm just realizing this too it's probably called tommy because of tommy jarvis from the the friday movies but yes oh cool awesome yeah Yeah. so uh so he he they don't they don't get it she gets like arrested and taken away in the ambulance but so they go back into her office to steal some pills and meds and i actually loved that whole bit too they're like oh my god what are these pills a4 q4 whoa and then by the end they're like it's just (laughs) they're like it's just tylenol uh but so they find uh her book and so she's got this diary of all the lore of Sarah Fear. And within that book is a map of the, the camp. And so there's the spot that she's circled. And that's what they go to investigate. They're like, let's go check this out. And obviously Cindy's like, no, this is not a good idea. And they're like, oh, are you scared? And right. so, they, uh, so they go and investigate that. And they end up in this cave. And while they're, they're investigating, it's like, pretty crazy they like walk into this spot there's a bunch of you know monolith rocks in there with a bunch of names written on them in stone and they're all the killers and they're kind of freaking out and we get the classic like uh who pulled this prank and it's like she i love it she calls it out immediately like yeah i wrote all these names on a rock like just now (laughs) i I carved them into stone with my nail yeah Yeah, i was like thank you for calling that out like no and and all the while tommy is sitting in the main room getting infected he's got the flies going around him he's going crazy so now we see okay we see where this movie is going so to speak and uh the boyfriend of uh what's her face um oh alice 
Uh, Alice's boyfriend goes back out. He's like, I'm going to go check on Tommy. Tommy kills him. And so they both have to run away. And so they're kind of running. Well, and he doesn't even really chase after them. He leaves and goes back Mm -hmm. to the camp to do his murders. And so they have to find a way through these caverns of stone. And we actually get to a really cool part in this movie about learning what exactly how like what did sarah fear do from the audience's perspective it's still not the true story but it's i thought was really fascinating yeah uh and i think at one point too on the map isn't it like a bird's eye view of the caves so they can figure out where they're going because i think she was holding the map and then says oh we have to go this way or we have no, to go no, that it's way the 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 carved satan stone that, so yes, the that's sto- right. The, the stone thing with the blood in it itself yes. is okay. what the cave looks like. So they they like curse. The curse basically is a simple. I loved it. That it was called a simple exchange. Like everything is written in like Sanskrit except for yeah. a simple exchange. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so when you when you encant this uh, this this impression in the ground of this like demonic symbol fills up sort of with blood, and then the entire underground is carved out in stone like caves to this. And so this is what Sarah fear did way back when she summoned the devil, she summoned all this stuff. And so they're kind of just living in it now as they're going through it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like somebody else that does podcasts that I should have watched this more than once before I decided to talk about it. (laughs) Hey, no, I only watched these once as well. So we're, we're got, we're diving through this together again. Like this is not, these are not Oscar winning movies. This is not going to be nominated for anything as much as I would probably not nominate it for anything. Uh, (laughs) I can't, I can't think of anything for, but it's a fun movie. So like, it's not the kind of movie that you need to be like, Ooh, I see this Easter egg. Did you notice uh, in 1994, there's a Pringle can. That's a 1990s Pringle can. There's (laughs) there's none of that. That's actually a scene in the movie, but there's, there's none of that. These movies, you're turning your brain off, you're watching them and you're getting engrossed in them. And so, uh, so yeah, don't worry about that. But uh, I mean, at least if, if it was then I feel like these kids have small enough hands that they could fit their hand in the Pringles can if they wanted to oh yeah well look at that and now we've got we've got two specials referenced here uh what (laughs) is that the that's the name of the other one right yeah so i just called uh, out the third one (laughs) so now we've gotten all three guys where this is the bo burnham trilogy Uh, actually this is is a funny feeling this is a funny feeling right now yeah okay uh yeah so we had talked about what was the the all oh that's for the third movie the all eyes on me but yeah. <laughs> um, now we're going to get to that one. So they, they make their way through this cave and it really is a labyrinth. Like it, it was kind of stressful watching them try to get through here. Not only that, but Alice is like, I gotta get out of here. And at one point she like cracks her ankle and breaks a bone out of her ankle. And I was like, Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. No, I'm dead. Just kill me. I'm yeah. Dead. <laughs> yeah. I was going to be like, yeah, just go. And she kind of says that she's like, just go. And she's like, no, like I'll, what does she even use? She like uses a, like a weapon or something to splint it. It was like, okay, cool, good for right. you. Yeah, but we, we find really out. MacGyver's it. <laughs> yeah, right. We uh, we find out in this cave though. Also, is this very weird heart? As what I associated with it as is like this beating heart inside the cave of the devil's heart or something. It's like this giant bulbous thing that's just fading and there's a million billion flies around it. And I, I didn't catch this every time we saw it, my wife would go, I think there's more flies there. And I was like, (laughs) maybe there are, they're just constantly growing, but uh, they get to the end of the cave and they find, according to the journal, this Satan stone. And so now we learn a little bit more. And what happened was Sarah fear cut her hand off at Satan stone 
pledging herself to Satan. And uh, so yada, yada, yada. And the stone is now covered with that red moss. And that leads all the way up to the bathroom outhouse, which again, I don't know who built that place, but I feel like as you're installing the toilet seat, you'd be like, huh, there's a whole hole here. Maybe they were taking the easy way out there and they're like, well, I guess we don't need to worry about plumbing. Like it'll just yeah, all go down. I mean, there's just a hole. whole cavern <laughs> down here. Whole, I'm sure the devil's going to love eating all this. <laughs> like yeah i don't know i don't know but that's that's how it was and they're like oh, okay maybe we can get out and so eventually the stars and i'm skipping some stuff but the stars collide and uh ziggy and nick good or no ziggy and the kid from halloween uh who uh drew yes. sheed as who Gary. i enjoy i enjoyed him in this one i enjoyed him more in this one than in halloween <laughs> <laughs> it was a little cringy in Halloween, but yes. And he gets uh, a great kill. He gets beheaded and his head goes right down the toilet. Yeah. But, uh, but they're kind of trying to pull them up in, into the place, but then they look again and they're like, Oh, the map, there's actually another way out. And so we learned that this camp was built on top of the settlement. And so there's a piece of that settlement within the lore that Seraphir busted out of and appeared in the meeting room. And so that's where they start heading towards, which ends up being the uh, the main house of the, the summer camp. So all the while this is happening, Tommy is wreaking havoc. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I loved how, and I'm sure you've seen a bunch of the Friday movies too. Mm-hmm. I, I've not, never made this a secret that the 2009 Friday is my favorite. And I think that's because the kills are more brutal. The acting is a little better and, that's basically it but like these kills were so brutal and i feel like in the older friday movies it was more about the suspense of it all of like ooh, you know when's he gonna come whereas in this one it was more about like how do you feel about it when he hacks this kid up or this kid and like like it was like Um, wow i (laughs) i did love uh the kid that was from um shady side and he was like the with the glasses. Guard yes, he was like <laughs> guarding. You guys want a juice box? <laughs> the, <laughs> guarding the prisoners from Sunnyvale in the yeah. capture the flag game, which mm. had gone way too long. My man, oh, it's yeah. dark out. I think the game's over. Yeah. And they're just they're like, shut up, don't talk to me. Like yeah. you're a nerd. <laughs> and he's being so sweet. And then everyone from Sunnyvale gets out, and then oh come on guys (laughs) they all take off and tommy just walks up and just lays waste to this kid oh yeah just and i felt again it's like you felt so bad for him but it was like it had to happen right i think the body count for this movie the kill count's definitely insane on it i think this one has the most kills from a killer that he had to have gotten at least like 10 it had to be more than that easily but yeah, then the, the counselors are all running around. The game is over. Please come out for your hiding spot. It's like I would have already been done. Like the minute the yeah, sun I was setting. Yeah, I would have been sleeping probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, someone would have been drawing on us though if we'd have gone to sleep that early at the the Nightwing summer camp. Uh, but yeah, so Tommy's kind of wreaking havoc everywhere, and at this point, Ziggy is trying to explain to Nick like. This is the witch. This is the possession of the witch. You need to believe me. And eventually he's like, okay, I believe you. But then by the end of it, he backtracks on that and says like, nah, you know, it was all just this guy went crazy. And so we get to this point where they magically, and I love that, that all the kids get away on the bus, which was great. (laughs) You could have easily gone the wrong way, but of course they forget Ziggy and her sister. 
And so they end up having to fight Tommy on their own along with Alice. And I loved this fight. I, I loved that. I was like, okay, we know at this point that at least I was still trying to wrap my head around the, the mechanics of the, the Seraphir lore. And I was like, okay, so if they kill him, he's going to be dead. Right. And I was like, well, but no, cause you know, he's cursed. But then I was remembering like, okay, the only reason that they wake up is because of the blood landing on the bone. It is, mm-hmm. it has no bearing on the character themselves. So when she, when they like, uh, what does she do? She like stabs him in the chest and then stabs him in the back or something like that. And he's done, he's on the ground. And so they, they beat him in that moment. Yeah. But, but at some point later, is it one of them, their blood gets on the Satan's stone, right? Yes. Is that what it is? Okay. And then the character, you know, all of them, all of the creatures at that point, wake up to chase yeah. after that blood. And so at that point, the, the guy gets back up and I love that. She's like, why won't you die? And uses the <laughs> shovel and literally like cuts his head off. And yeah. I thought that was so cool. I was like, finally, like that's a badass moment for Cindy. Yes. Um, yeah. Just the, the voraciousness of this fight and just yeah to see, I mean, the two girls just go to town and they're like, I'm done. I'm not having this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, no I'm so tired. Yeah. And even uh, after when Ziggy tells Cindy, I think you're going to need a new polo because she's got blood just all yeah, over it. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's what it was, is that they went down there and they got the hand. Mm-hmm. So they they have the hand and they're like, let's go reunite the hand with the body at the tree. Yeah. So, so they while take it to that the tree. happens, Ziggy. Yeah, that's what it was. Ziggy gets the bloody nose and it trips on the hand. And so that's what wakes them all up. So they go head to this tree and uh, we see a very creepy scene, excuse me, of all of these different guys coming out of the woodwork, literally walking. And I, again, I hate that kid in the mask. And he just sits there and goes, <laughs> and he's like doing that weird ass little like, Hah! and it's like, dude, he's go like, away. I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming, coming, my man. I'm coming. I'm, it reminded me a lot of the, uh, the scene from, I think that's from Monty Python. It's Monty Python and Kung Pao enter the fist where the guy's in the distance going, I'm coming. And like <laughs> a little bit. And then he's back. Where he's and like, then- I'm coming. <laughs> That's what it felt like. They took forever to get there. And so they're digging up. They magically dig up in the exact right spot. And yeah. all they find is a rock a foot down. And, yeah. Just a foot <laughs> down, a very shallow grave. And uh, the rock says the witch lives forever. And, or the rich for something like the witch forever lives yeah. forever, and they're like you've got to be kidding me <laughs> like <laughs> nobody we're done and so at this point they really do uh relegate themselves to dying and that is literally what happens and in the probably strangest scene like i said definitely the most intense scene of this movie both of them she gets bru- uh cindy gets brutalized by tommy and uh, Ziggy gets brutalized by, I believe it's the burned face guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, because, you know, freaking Cindy gets axed directly in the sternum, probably nine times on camera. <laughs> yes. And she's just like coughing up blood. There's blood going everywhere. And Ziggy is getting stabbed a bunch of times. And so they're both bleeding out, super sad. They're like reaching out to each other. And eventually Ziggy dies. And when she dies, they both, you know, everyone disappears. 
just like in the first movie. And so Nick Good shows up, the the ambulance show up and they actually resuscitate her. And that's, again, now we figure out that's how she survived and that's how she mm-hmm. became a survivor. And now we, do we find out at that point where the hand is? Did they I, leave it at the tree? I think they left it at the tree because isn't that where they go in the third one? Well, no, because it happens at the end of the movie. At the end of this movie, the the story ends and uh, Dina says, well, then that's it. Like, we need to reunite the hand with the body and we know where the body is now. So she's like, where is the hand? We need to go get the hand. Oh, that's right. And maybe they do go back to the mall. Well, the hand, the last time we saw it was at the crash site in the first one, wasn't it? Or did they Mm -hmm. take it? No, they, they, uh, I, I remember this though, at least they, they go somewhere to get the hand and Dina wraps it around in a towel so that she doesn't touch any of it or get her blood on it. And so she, and I'm assuming she goes back. I think she goes back to the mall because the, the tree now in the place of this camp, clearly we see that I, they were like, you know what? We're done with camps. This was not a good idea. <laughs> and so they demolish the camp and build this mall on top of it, but they've kept the mm-hmm. tree. So they go back to the place, they get the hand. They drive, she drives back over to where the body is and the movie ends with her reuniting the hand with the body, no blood involved, but when she reunites the body and the hand uh, skeleton pieces, she gets sucked into 1666 and she kind of, she kind of wakes up. It's almost like a waking vision where she is now Sarah fear and she's looking around and all of the people in her village are all of the people from the two movies now so you've got sadie sink in the movie and emily rudd as the two sisters and then you've got her brother and her two friends they're all playing different people in the movie and it ends and i from that ending i was like okay this is awesome like how were you feeling when it ended yeah i mean i was definitely excited to see where they were going to go with this um you know, definitely explained how and why they were going to 1666. Yeah. Explaining why it was in this order of, you know, this anthology essentially is what it is. This anthology of these trilogy of movies, but yeah, I mean, I was excited. I definitely looking forward to the next week when it finally did come out. But like you said, you watched them after they all three came out. So, yeah, I did have a one day break in between those two movies, which I think was nice in a sense, because that trailer that they show at the end, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is going to be the most intense of the three, just because it was, and, and this is a good conversation we're going to have. It felt like the witch. I was like, Ooh, this is going to be like the witch. And I'm here for it. That movie scared the pants off of me. Like I loved <laughs> that movie. And uh, I know you weren't as big a fan of it. And it's funny because when I was looking on the Wikipedia too, she compares it to the new world, which is a Terrence yes. Malick movie yeah. uh, of uh, the of Pocahontas and, and discovering the new world which I did not get that vibe at all <laughs> at any point in time in the movie. And I think she should have just been like, yeah, we were trying to copy the witch and it would have worked out just fine. So, uh, so yeah, 1666, the entire movie takes place in the past until the very end, but we get kind of like, it literally is the witch. It's a very, very, very tiny, small minded town. And in, in the 1600s, this is essentially a Salem witch trials type uh, film where everybody is clueless about what's going on. And we get a really great cameo of Dina's, uh, Sarah Fear's father of Randy Havens, who has been in a couple of, 
Well, oh no, that's what it is. He's in Stranger Things. He's in Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, he's, he's the Clark. science teacher. Yeah, yep, but he's also the science man in Godzilla: King of the Monsters. So <laughs> he's uh, he's all, and he was in the TV series MacGyver. So we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of callouts to the things. Let me just double check. He wasn't in any of the Bo Burnham specials. Uh, he was in Sleepy Hollow and Vampire Diaries. Okay, so he clearly Sleepy is a Hollow, fan the of, show or the movie? Yeah, the show. Did you the ever show. watch the show? I think we watched the first couple seasons. And then Me too. I, I thought it was really it, good. I just never got back around to ever watching it. But yeah, I, yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so we get this tiny ass town where you know, again, everyone knows everybody. Everyone's outside trading chickens and dogs and goats, and yeah. we immediately open up with a weird, like, oh, the pigs are giving birth, and suddenly we start hearing that it's again all the same actors, but they're all speaking in old English, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I mean, to I mean, they definitely made it almost a period piece. And not yeah. just, you know, hey, we're going to go ahead and just ignore the fact that all these people would have accents and just, you know, speak how you usually do with your normal accent. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they went for it. Yeah, they really did. And we, we get a, a taste of the slice of life again. This is the kind of uh, movie that really shows that when you say, when I, if I could go to any point in time, I'd love to go back into the good old days where, you know, we didn't have our smartphones. Uh, no, if I could go back, I would never go back to this time period is what I know. That was like, the, that's the first thing I said when it finally ended and went back to current day. I was like, yeah, I would never go, go there. Like there's nothing cool about that. Like everything. And I, I had read last year around Halloween this uh, book called The Witches that was a, an account of the Salem witch trials. And they nailed it of just like people would just come up with excuses like, oh, I think this person's a witch. I saw them like mumbling something. And then three, <laughs> magically three other people would be like, oh, yeah, that person snuck into my house last night. I think I saw yeah. that person out on the road on a full moon. And it's like what the hell like how can you be that small-minded and they really show that in this movie because again we get to see now the truth of everything so we find out that sarah fear actually wasn't a witch and uh but in a sense she was the witch of the day right like she was what everyone always thought a witch was which is just somebody who is a little bit different and so in this movie she is crushing on sam uh, just like she was, you know, back in the, in 94, uh, they go to this party, <laughs> they go to this party, this, <laughs> party. Ke- this uh, yeah, it's just a, a kegger in the woods and uh, they're eating berries. And we find out there's like, just like in the witch, there's a witch in the woods that is played by uh, Dr. Lane from the other two movies. And we see her book that has the simple exchange and all of that stuff. We see, okay, so setting the scene for that. But then while they're out there partying, we see the dumb Tom, the guy who plays Tommy, who I absolutely hated. And here he plays Matt, oh, Mad Thomas. So oh, God, kind of his hair. Same. His hair, his teeth. <laughs> awful. He, is, he is the country bumpkin. And he, he really is the town, the town village idiot. Like he is, yeah. he's crazy. He's drunk. And they kind of get to a point where he, no, no, no. Okay, so her boyfriend, Sam's boyfriend in 94, is trying to make moves on her in this film. And she's like, I don't want it. I'm not here for it. And Dina shows up, Sarah here and says, Hey, like step off. I loved her line. She says, I'm sure you could find a donkey that would uh, oblige (laughs) you much easier (laughs) or or that would be able to overlook your more negative qualities. I love that. That was so great. And so he kind of huffs off, but again, leads into the ending where he's like, I saw them being witches because 
he's just mad that they spurned him like the classic sort yeah. of you know male gaslighter and that's literally what ancient times was i'm starting to feel like it was called probably a term and maybe i'll write my dissertation on this called village uh gaslighting where the whole <laughs> village is in on it and they're all gaslighting the one person and so yeah they, they they have some kisses they they have a little bit of fun and then they kind of run off and the next morning we see that the town is a, is ablaze in a sense. There, there's murmurs, there's whispers. We saw you guys walking in the moonlight, all that garbage. And all of a sudden the town starts going downhill. Uh, animals are dying. Uh, things are really strange. People are getting sick. Food is getting rotten. And we see that uh, Sam's dad is, uh, is possessed. And he's yeah. got, you know, flies around him and he's mumbling stuff. And so we know, we know what's going on. I half knew, I, I didn't realize that he was one of the OG killers, but I was like, okay, you know, here we go. But that, that kind of bleed into the, the true mystery at this point. I'm like, okay, so if it isn't Sarah Fear, who's doing this? Did you have any thoughts by this point of like who it could be? Um, I had an idea and it kind of went back to the ending of, 1978 when you see uh i guess good when he was you know the counselor and was talking to was it his uncle or somebody else on the police force that said you know made a comment like oh you goods always end up where you need to be and ultimately oh. you know it's you know part of this curse in which he's made it to where they always come to power and like even his brother was the mayor right and so at that point i was like you know what i feel like this is going to some family tradition that's gone back to here and we get back to this point. So I felt like something was going on and I knew it couldn't have just been as easy as, you know, Oh, they are the witches, you know, because one of them was left-handed. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> intense. I was going to say good. I didn't even catch that. So look at you. You've got more observant eye than I do. <laughs> uh, not looking at, at their hand preferences, but they uh, at this point start obviously like you do in the in the 1660s. You uh, start accusing people right away of uh, mm -hmm. witchcraft, and suddenly there's a hubbub. And like I said, every Tom, Dick, and Harry in town is showing up with their own magical story of how somehow they saw somebody doing something. And I loved how in this again, you know, you don't expect it, but throughout this movie, uh, Solomon Good the ancestor of Nick good uh, mm -hmm. is trying to get Sarah fear, basically like they're trying to be together. And so he makes her a, a hilt for her knife with an S on it, an S for Sarah, though I would argue it was an S for Solomon and maybe more so an S for Satan. Yeah. But um, so, uh, you know, and she even, I loved, I loved how okay he was with her though. Like that made me feel good. She's like explaining to him, Hey, you know, I, I really like Sam. Like that's not, it's not a dalliance is what she says. Like, it's not, this isn't like a, just a random thing. Like I actually feel this way. And he was like, okay, then like, that's okay to feel that way. And he, he says what one of my favorite lines in the entire series that she repeats, which is that in order, like you are not a witch, nor did you conjure this because you can't conjure Satan by chance. It is by choice. And I loved that because it was all the validation she needed. And she was just like, no, I didn't do that. Yeah. And so in a way that almost throws you off the trail because he is being an ally to her. He's like, I believe you. I believe all. And of course, right. Of course he believes it. Cause in his head, he's going, yeah, it's me. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we <laughs> get to this, <laughs> we get to this point where they're about to string him up. They've got Sam 
and they're peeking in as they're having their town meeting. Or no, at this point, they're trying to get into the church. The church is locked. All the, the meeting town, whatever, is locked, mm-hmm. and all the doors are barred. They bust in, and we see Sam's father, the pastor, has uh, – he hasn't put all of the kids' hands up, but he has said, all eyes on me in terms of ripping out every child's hand eyes and they're all just sitting in the pews in a pile in a pile and uh it's like 15 kids and it's it's sarah fear's brother it's the two twins that got babysat in the first movie it's ziggy all of them are all dead and he has also ripped out his own eyes and Solomon Good comes in and kills him with a pitchfork. And I was like, this is great. And we even get to this point where they're like, we need to stop the witchcraft. And he says, I killed the guy. So we're good. Yeah. We're Solomon Good. And they still <laughs> won't believe it. They won't buy it because people need their justice. People need to feel comfortable. And they still don't feel like, because again, you know, it's, it's such a good look at society. I think in this whole idea of believing people and wanting to write your own narrative of your life and not being satisfied with small, like with, with actual wins, all that sort of stuff. There's just, what did you, do you, did you get those same vibes? I mean, you definitely got a lot deeper than I did with that. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I, that's one of my biggest things that I hate. And and I, I know I do it too sometimes where if, if uh, you know, my wife asks me something and I say, no, no, it's not what I said. And she's like, no, that is what you said. Don't gaslight me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. But in, <laughs> in this vein of an entire village doing it to these people, like, I just hate that. I hate when the truth is so readily apparent and, uh, and no one will believe it. And they don't because they've got a one-track mind, a 1666 mind, and it just it frustrates me, which makes for a really good movie. Yeah, I mean, at some point, the town's going to run out of people to kill. Exactly. It's like, what are you going to do after at- they're dead? You're yeah, still not like, going to be satisfied. Then all of a sudden, a goat's going to end up with his head cut off, and somebody's going to be like, "All right, well, we got another one on our exactly. hands." Yeah, it's who just going to happen again. And see, and that's where I wonder if who, when did the next uh, murderer show up? Because I would hope that some of those people were still alive, and they'd be like, "Well, dang, I guess maybe we killed the wrong people." Okay, well, well, but now at that at, at that point, they can blame Sarah from beyond the grave because it's always blame whoever's not around, right? Exactly. Yeah, especially the person that you've already killed for being a witch. Yep, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, we killed the right one. It's just that she put a curse on the town, and we don't know how to fix it. (laughs) And we're not going to bother with it. We'll let our grandchildren figure that out. That's the classic line, right? We'll let the next generation worry about this. (laughs) That's been been the classic line since 1666. Yes, yes. So so at this point, they, they flee. Sam gets caught. She escapes and tries to help her but she's like i'm gonna just run away so she runs into the woods and she and i loved this point too this was another really great message of this and i think something that you don't see a lot in the witchcraft shows movies whatever but she says something that i'm sure a lot of people can can uh, agree with or sympathize with if she says i'm gonna go find that book and see if satan can actually help us because they already think that i'm a witch so there's, what's the point? Like, yeah, what's the I point might. of me even bothering to not do it? Like, I might as well go do it if they already think so, which is such a powerful thing. Yeah, like in uh, Double Jeopardy, the movie with, uh, oh God, was it Tommy Lee Jones? And, oh God, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, she was convicted for his murder, even though he wasn't dead. And then in whatever state they were in, she was released from prison. 
and then she had already been convicted and served the time for the murder so now she could murder him and then wouldn't have to serve the time again Ooh, i like that so she's like well i guess since you guys already think i'm a witch i guess i'll just go ahead and be a witch at this point yeah which was i thought was like i got chills in that moment i was like you are a badass sarah fear like you are pushing that fear down and and fighting for what you believe in yeah but yeah it was tommy lee jones and ashley judd was in double jeopardy from, why, uh, why would I, I would have guessed ashley judd it was from 99 <laughs> i could have told you that and you would have been like oh yeah that was definitely ashley judd <laughs> 1999 though that's that's a funny thing i don't know if we'll ever get to that at one point in an episode but uh apparently there's this like not rumor but there's like lore that 1999 was the best year for movies and there's like books that have been written on this that there were so many movies that came out in 1999 that were so good i mean Mm -hmm. top of the list off top of my head phantom menace uh, but oh, then you've get, got, but then you've got Titanic so many yeah, Titanic, uh, Fight Club. Uh, I mean, literally, there's a lot. When you look it up, you'd be like, oh wow, there's a lot. So maybe Double Jeopardy's in that in that realm. I was thinking of Double the Matrix. Was the Matrix? Yep, yep. I'm telling you, like, look up the list because it's it'll blow your mind. Uh, but so at that point, she runs into the woods and uh, finds the witch's hut, and the witch is dead. She, her throat has been slit. The book is gone. She has no idea what she should do, so she runs to Solomon's house and begs for him to help her, and he does. He says, come on in, I'll hide you, and the people start showing up at the house like, Solomon, let me in, and they just walk in, and he's like, you can't come in, and they're like, ah, well, classic line of, if you've got nothing to hide, then you got nothing to worry about, and he's like, I am not okay with you breaching my property, just a classic 1666 move. Uh, but she's hiding in the basement, and we now find out that Solomon's house is that is, cave yeah. in the last movie. And so he's been the one practicing all the rituals. And he says, I want, and I love this too. She comes in and she's like, I figured it out. Like the witch got killed. Somebody is using this book probably to get power. And he admits, like, yeah, I'm doing this so that I can yeah. get power because, you know, I want my That's family the point. to live on. That's the whole thing. <laughs> He's like, what's the point of living if it isn't to gain power? Yeah, which is, you know, classic uh, 1666 mindset. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he he tries to kill her and uh, there's a big fight that ensues. And it, it shows him kind of singing the spells and really it's just him saying all the different words for Satan. And it opens up the cave and the big uh, bulbous pulsating thing, the Satan stone, all of that. We see how the moss grows or that we see that after she dies. But uh, we find out he hits at her hand and goes to cut her hand off and ends up ripping it off. That was actually pretty wild to watch, but the hand ends up with the Satan (laughs) stone. And so at this point, she crawls away and crawls up through the meeting house and gets outside and just when she's about to say something he shows up and says i found the witch and i was like oh my god like here we go again with gaslighting and uh what a way what a way for her to go out but then she admits it again she she tries to save her friend she says she's not a witch it's just me blah 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 and so she gets hung and buried but her friends decide to bury her somewhere else and they say we're not going to bury her here we're going to give her our own burial and so we get to see how the rock got there how the lock with her name was engraved got there all of that stuff so we are finally now caught up and i love too we didn't touch on it but i love that the moss was from sam's uh, headband i thought that was really cool so that was like her oh, kind yeah, of her, her, her yeah. love for sam which was sweet and so now we find out it wasn't sarah good at all to begin with and so she kind of wakes up out of it 
And uh, what did you think at that moment when it gets back to the present day? Did you uh, press your controller or whatever it was to see how much time was left in the movie of like, how's this going to end? No, honestly, I was relieved. Like I told you earlier, I wasn't yeah, a yeah, huge let's hear fan this. Yeah. of the, of the it 66. It just, I don't know. It just seemed very, like I said, very cookie cutter. Like any, any movie about the Salem witch trials or witches in general, just have a dark wooden house with wooden pews and a guy at a, at a pedestal talking and dirty windows. I mean, yeah, I know you could say it's accurate, but come on, it's 2021. Can we try to change something about this? Like, should we make a modern day witch trials movie that is about some sort of societal thing of like, should we could make a million dollars. It could be like the witch trials in a small suburban town where someone has been accused of uh, not liking someone's Instagram post. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you you know what, it's going to take place during COVID. So the witnesses are just going to be FaceTiming with their mom. Ooh. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) These next 40 minutes are essential. I mean, they really are. I mean, there's, (laughs) they're going to be on there. They're going to take quirky quizzes to figure mm-hmm. out what kind of garlic bread they like the best. Yes. And then it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot. So, oh my God. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just like, I wasn't a huge fan of the witch yeah. and my wife for one hates movies that are not tonally dark, but visually dark. Oh, it was like, pretty dark. And she's like, come on, light a lamp, set a fire. <laughs> like even she hates watching the dark Knight and batman begins because she's like they're just so dark well it's I in can't the name. stand them and i'm well <laughs> i know that i don't need her to watch them with me i mean i've seen them enough times but she's like why are they so dark and i'm like come on and because... so yeah i just <laughs> as as soon as it fast forward back to 94 i was like okay thank thank god let's let's get this going back to where where we were at so yeah that's fair i i won't argue against that it was dark all of those things are true I just ended up liking them, which, Hey, that's the whole magic of movies. Everyone can watch the movie and get a little bit of different, but I I felt the exact same way when it came back. I was like, let's go. Here we go. All the pieces are in place. Now we know that Sarah's a good guy. We know that we know who the bad guy is. And I loved it. She says, good is evil. And uh, we get the great line of that. And so now they craft a plan and uh all at this time though good tries to get them at the gravesite because she's still at the gravesite so they escape in his cop car uh which we yeah. were talking about earlier you know it goes out on the radio we got an app out on the stolen car no one goes to chase after them, <laughs> yeah though. no one cares even though they're driving through town with the lights on the whole yeah. time <laughs> they so don't, don't know, know how to turn them off yeah i guess not you know <laughs> there's probably the one switch just flick it but they get back to the house and fill in uh uh c berman I will just call her Ziggy, but they fill her in and now they know what they have to do. And so essentially uh, what it is, is each time the blood is dripped on the bones, Sarah fear has the ability to show the truth to that person. And so through those flashbacks that you see when they're having their, you know, their nosebleed, she's showing them what actually happened and trying to show the truth. And in doing so, Satan and good are deploying the creatures to kill that person so that so, nobody can reveal the truth. Yeah. Super cool twist. I like yeah, that was. a lot. Yeah. And, and I love how they tell, um, you know, Dina and Sam, they tell Ziggy, you know, Oh, it's good. He's evil. And she's like, 
he's on his way here. Like, yeah, she, she says, yeah, he's going to be here in a couple minutes. Yeah, because he had slid that note under her door that said it's happening again. And <laughs> so then it's like, ah, crap. But, at but, this he, point, but he never walking, shows so. up. He never goes to the house. Yeah, he's walking. Yeah, that's right. He's on foot. No other cop cars yet. They just they have to wait for the second cop cars coming. It's on its way. <laughs> they had to uh, they had to order it special from Detroit, so it's going to take a few weeks. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time. We don't even know where Shady Side is. It's you know any town USA, I guess. Yeah, it's probably next to Riverdale, like you yeah, mentioned. It's, yeah, you're right. Right next to Riverdale. Right next to Greendale. So yeah. they uh, so they now their plan, and I loved this. They they kind of they they whip up a quirky plan and we get to the end of it which is there's a guy who's the custodian at the mall who kind of in in this part we didn't even talk about because honestly this i if i had a nitpick it would be this the guy is sitting in a chair with his handcuffs there are no cops around and (laughs) the other kid is sitting right next to him in the chair and he's like hey can you can you help me get out of here can you yeah and he's like uh sure here's a paper clip and the guy goes thanks man here's my card if you need anything i owe you one and i'm like you could have got, you could have reached over and grabbed that paper clip like no one was st- his hands still work so that whole right. thing didn't make sense but he calls in the favor and uh, that was a great bit when they go to pick him up in the cop car and he's like come on but yeah. they're like hey do you want to come kill sheriff good and he's like all right i'll go get my coat and so they make up this plan and the plan is to uh do, do another blood trail and they, I loved this too, the whole black light spray paint. They spray over all the walls, yeah. it was evil, all that sort of stuff. But the trick is going to be to get good to come to the mall and all the creatures to come to the mall. They're then going to lock the creatures inside the stores with the uh, closing metal rack things. And then once good's in there, they're going to get good covered in blood. He's going to be good and bloody. And then they're going <laughs> to reopen the doors and all the creatures are going to come out and kill good. And the plan mostly works, except for probably a couple of hitches, I would say. But I kind of liked that. Like, I liked that there really wasn't, I was waiting for it. I mean, it really felt like there was going to be a hitch when the two cops showed up, but then they yeah. immediately get killed by the Yeah, it's just the immediately bite the dust. And I was like, okay, cool. Because, you know, we don't have a lot left in this movie, so we can't have a lot more, <laughs> so we can't have any more setbacks. Yeah, I mean, good. definitely with when they trap them in, it definitely made sense why they put so much emphasis on the gate at the beginning of the first exactly one. not yeah. closing. But then so she closes like, it. But yeah, then she ends up closing it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I liked it. My wife said it reminded her of those um, those like neon mini golf places you can go to, and it's oh, all black yeah. light. And because mm-hmm. we used to have one at a mall by us, and I mean, it was actually cool back when. Wait, are you in Shady Side? Cool. I don't know. Maybe redacted we don't have to mention that <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, from brett's podcast but yeah. <laughs> uh yeah no i mean visually i thought it looked great and yeah. i don't know why but just things that take place in malls to me i love them mm-hmm. i mean that like a good zombie movie in a mall it, um yeah zach snyder's yeah dawn um, of the dead dawn of the dead loved it uh dead rising the video game it, yes even though those games stress me out um yes even stranger things how season i was three, gonna say yeah that's the, the season three finales in the mall yeah so i don't know why I, I definitely enjoyed it that's why when when it did go back to 94 in this one i was like all right let's let's get going so I thought did you like finale they they plastered up it said 1994 part two did you yes see that? i did yes i i was yeah. like wait what but then i was like oh, i guess that makes sense that but when you i saw someone who said when it did that that you probably didn't even need the middle movie. 
that you could have, I mean, besides the whole getting of the hand thing, like mm-hmm. you could have just had it been her, her getting a flashback, but I think we needed all three of them, but, uh, but yeah, so they, they, they get it. They win. They do so by the creatures stab good a couple times, but then they end up again. I was like, wait, how would they get here so fast? And then I was like, that's right. The mall is on top of the, the place now. Yeah. So they get down there and they kill good. Uh, she stabs good in the face literally in the eye with a knife and the minute that he gets stabbed the entire bulbous thing turns into the ground the satan stuff goes away sam is cured i'm trying to think if there's any other does anything else happen due to the like beating of the bad guy i don't believe so i think basically everything was just the curse was lifted and everything's everything is good now yeah now we eat eat burger king at a great at the gravesite of sarah good or sarah fear yeah, sometimes you just need that that whopper. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've been through a whopper of a day, so it <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> uh, one thing I did find completely rare for a movie is that, you know, the the final girl, you know, was Dina the entire time, and her love interest, and it being a lesbian love interest, and they both make it. Yeah, and they both you know have this happy ending, where. I mean, like I said, 94 when, and of course the, the names are slipping my head, but when the girl kisses um, her younger brother Kate, and then immediately yeah. bites the dust. Yeah. When Kate kisses her brother and then immediately bites the dust. Um, yeah. It's just that uh, putting the trope of, you know, the relationships or finding love or any of that just completely on his head. So I thought that was cool. And I think that goes with the movie too, though, because it's almost like a full circle, a fear circle in a sense of like, you know, that was what Sarah wanted way back when, and she wasn't able to get it due to everyone's intolerance. And now they do get to get that happy ending. And Sarah gets her happy ending by finally, you know, getting to live free, the spirit free of, you know, Satan's grasp or whatever you want to call it. And the brother gets a happy ending too. I loved that end bit where he he got his cast and the girl shows up and I was like, Oh, all right. Like she's Mm -hmm. cute. I thought it was going to be some, you know, guy behind the counter sort of thing of like, it's a catfish situation. But I was like, Oh, not only that she goes to his school. All right. Yeah, exactly. And as, as we know from meeting friends on the internet, not everybody lives or even goes to the same school, unlike you with David. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But like, not everybody's just all of a sudden in your little vicinity. Yeah, but yeah. What about the uh, what about the end credit scene? What do you think? Yeah, um, I was waiting for something. As I, I, I'll say this: I did not like the way they did it. I was like, okay, it'd be like you get what directed by, written by, produced, seen, credit, credit credit scene and i was like can you just just show it all at once like and they're playing the music over it but by the end of it you know there's and i had said this too i was like they left the book and then yeah. we see, so then we see it and it's like oh cool the police have it and they've got it listed there they haven't even touched it yet so cool at least they they know that they shouldn't be touching it but then yeah we see we see some arms grab it i predicted as it was coming because we were like what's gonna happen what's gonna happen i was like the book's gonna open it's gonna say a simple exchange but uh doesn't open we see two hands grab the book uh i don't know what to make of that other than i don't want to make anything of it i I don't need another movie we got the perfect ending i think like what is even going to happen someone summons the devil again and all the names come back up on the rocks or what did you take away from it well, I just took it as, okay, there's going to be something else if they want to. And yes. I actually read read an article on IndieWire, and I want to see your, your thoughts on this. Um, 
So Janiac, if I'm pronouncing that right, said, one of the exciting things about Fear Street is the fact that the universe is so big and allows for a lot of space. One of the things that I talked about before I was hired was that we have the potential here to create a horror Marvel Cinematic Universe where you can have slasher killers from a lot of different eras. You have the canon of our main mythology that's built around the fact that the devil lies in shady side. So there's also room for everything else. That's so very accurate. It sounds like she's hoping for something much bigger. So what I don't think you, she's what ever <laughs> would you even do though. You you do a, I see here on uh, on Wikipedia it says in July of this year she expressed interest in expanding the film series beyond the trilogy. She state she had stated to be interested in adapting a slasher film that takes place during the fifties yeah. and centers around Harry Rooker the Milkman. Cast members similarly expressed interest in returning. But so what you have a movie based on like the kid who bangs the bat, like we know how it ends now. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. How, do you, how do you make that compelling? I mean, I don't know. How did they make black widow compelling? We knew how it ended with her. Uh, I guess that's fair, but that movie had a lot hanging on it in terms of, you know, we know I mean, how it's going to end. I yeah. think it's but different it, with a slasher movie though, because you're already expecting, like when you go to see a Marvel movie, there's a lot of expectations there, but when you're going to see a slasher movie, you're looking for kills. Like you're wanting to see the kills. So maybe if they made the kills really good, the story wouldn't really matter if you're, maybe there's someone who gets away in the story that is unrelated to anything sort of thing. Or like the yeah. father, maybe Lane. Actually, you know, would be interesting would be uh, Lane, the Lane family, the mom, and then her daughter being the one that killed a bunch of people and then killed herself. Yeah, that one would be kind of interesting too. Yeah, I mean, it's and if it's Netflix too, they, I feel like they can crank out net, Netflix movies pretty quick. Oh, I know, but I mean, clearly they just made three of them. Yeah, and they're not short either. No, they're all two I hours. Mean, yeah, and I was surprised. I was like, oh, you know, usually if it's something like that, you know, an hour 15, hour and 20. But no, these were hour and 50, hour and 55, something like that. So speaking of kills, do you have a favorite on-screen kill? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, do you have one? Because if you do, I do. Okay, then I'll start thinking about mine. Go for it. Okay, so mine, and I know it's absurd but i always laugh when i see it in jason x at the end <laughs> when he shows up and there's the two girls camping and then he he, put, oh, yeah, yeah. he he grabs the one and throws her in a sleeping bag and then beats her against a tree yeah and then he uses her to beat the hell out of the other girl right right i, I don't know why it's so that movie was absolutely terrible yes but I thought that that kill is so funny. Like anytime I think of favorite kill, that's it's definitely that one, hands down. Wait, so you're saying favorite kill in all of every scary movie? Just like it, first one that comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, geez, because uh, I would have said the the sleeping bag kill in the 2009 Friday, where same thing, where she's in the sleeping bag, but he lit a fire underneath it. Oh yeah, so it's burning her alive. <laughs> but uh, no, let me think. God, that's a that's. I will not be beholden to my answer because there's a lot of movies that I'm, I can't even think of, but I know one of my faves is in that 2009 when maybe there's two. Cause in front Jason goes to hell, there's a really good one in there as well, but uh, I'll just stick with this one. When the guy's running back to the house 
mm-hmm. and Jason just has his axe and he just throws and, it and it goes woo, 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 and just hits him right in the back and he dies. I loved that. I was like, what a badass like axe thrower. Yeah, that, that was, was the crazy. that was the stoner kid, right? Yeah, that, uh-huh. that broke a chair or something in the he, rich he, preppy guy's lake house, and then he yeah, had to go he like to the broke shed. the table. He went to the shed. There was a yeah. body in the shed, <laughs> and so he like runs away. Yeah, and then gets that. But I feel like every Jason kill in that movie is so good because then you've got the the bow and arrow to the head. Yes, uh, when she's uh, you know uh, under the dock. Uh, yep. Oh. Yeah, and then well, no, no, no. The bow and arrow is while the guy's doing the jet skiing with her, so she's riding on the back. Oh he yes, gets the arrow through his head, and then she, and then the boat slows down, and yes. then she sees him, swims over to the dock, and then and he then stabs he her, stabs and, her, okay. and then pulls the thing up, and it, she just hits her head, and then falls back in. I, oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to steal great, from. Uh, I didn't want to steal from Brian and um, United We Fan when they do their Mount Rushmore, their secret Mount Rushmore. So I just wanted to know if you had a. Wow. No, that may be something uh, to do for a future episode. So stick around listeners. Cause I like this idea. I have a lot of kills that I can think of, especially from, yeah, I'm trying to think of what the, the Jason goes to hell one was like, no, it wasn't, it, it was kind of him getting killed. It was like that the entire SWAT team and police force shows up in the woods and they all are just shooting him. And they like fire a rocket at him and all of this stuff. <laughs> I don't and even like, think I've seen that one to be honest. It's, it's very fulfilling in that respect. The rest of the movie is terrible, but like I just love it. They're <laughs> like, you know what? We're actually going to kill him because they send him to hell. And uh, yeah, so that part was great, man. How you got me now? I want to just record. Isn't isn't that the one with the poster of? The mask, and then there's like a worm going through it. Yeah, it's like the (laughs) weirdest one ever. You don't ever really see that in the movie, so it's doesn't make sense. Yeah, I have a DVD of that and Jason X. It's like a double feature because it got taken off of HBO, and I really wanted to watch it, so I found it on eBay for like three bucks. Oh, did you? I guess you didn't buy the like mega set for Jason. I have the I have the mega set of it's eight. It's all of the movies except for those two. And so, okay. so it's like Jason one through eight, and then those two are nine and ten, and then the the two thousand and nine version is number eleven. Okay, I think I as I walk away from the camp, I think I have it, but I can't remember. Yeah, that was a that was a Black Friday special. I think I've gotten it for like ten bucks on Blu-ray. It was a great deal. But like I said, as as much as I love the lore of Friday, and especially that two thousand and nine, a lot of those movies didn't really hold up. No. And I, I'm probably in the same boat with you. I feel like a minority didn't like the 2009 remake just because nobody likes remakes of anything anymore. I, I could talk for hours about that movie. Like I still, I, I say it all the time, but I just remember I was in high school and I was sitting in class and I was not one of the cool kids, but I was listening to the cool kids talk. And this <laughs> one, one guy who's like, he was one of my buddies on the tennis team, but he, he was like sharing how he, he was telling the story of the movie. He had just gone and seen it last night. And he's like talking about all the kills and, and, you know, Oh, this and this and this. And he goes, and that, and then the title credits show up and that's it. Like it was, that's when they brought it up. Like they, they played the movie for 20 minutes and then they show you Friday the 13th. And I just always remembered that of like, so cool that they like literally (laughs) did like five insane kills before the credits even start. Like, yeah, that movie does not get enough love yeah i enjoyed it now did you like the do you like the original as much i like it better than the original uh the original i i love the 
thought the idea of the original i guess you could mm-hmm. say like that's at its time was probably super wild to be like oh my god it was the mom the entire time but when you watch it now it's like whatever spoiler alert jesus i haven't even seen it yet really <laughs> i doubt that <laughs> That, yeah, okay, that's, a whole, that's a whole different conversation yes. horror movies in general yes. but yeah so yeah for those of you out there listening keep in mind what you think your favorite kills are uh i was gonna say we can we'll end this on do you have a favorite kill from this trilogy from this trilogy from the fear, yes the fear street trilogy huh i think i have to go with the kid that was uh that was like the guard for the, the guard capture the flag game. Yeah. Just, just all around it. Just the humor behind him and like so innocent and just wanted to be cool. And then just eh, taken out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost feel like I want to say the sister just because I was like, that just really messed me up. But I, I think it's that uh, the annoying kid from Halloween getting his head clean chopped off. I thought yeah. that was great. It was a very quick kill. Very easy. Yes. Little yes, blood. It was. well cool so i think that's going to do it for us here we gave you guys a little bit of a after credit scene and talking about some of our favorite friday movies but uh for the fear street trilogy uh like i said overall i loved this trilogy i would say if you're going to watch it you should definitely try to dedicate the time to watch all three in as quick of a succession as possible versus just watch like i feel like if you're just like i'm just going to watch one of them like they play so well off of each other that you have like I feel like they don't work by themselves as much as they would besides maybe the first one. Uh, what do you think on that as your final thought? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say about the same. Um, you know, if I were to go back and do a rewatch, I would definitely watch them back to back to back. Yeah. So, and, and now that I know the story and to be able to look at the little details now and be like, Oh, well that, that makes this one more enjoyable of a rewatch. So yeah. Especially yeah, the first one. Overall, I'd probably give it a 7.5 out of 10, That's all fair. three combined. So Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm, I'll stick with my aid too, which is basically a rounding error at this point. So uh, that's <laughs> that's perfect. So again, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. I hope I hope this was a good visit for you. I hope you had a good time talking about these movies. Yeah, this was the first podcast I've been on. Wow. So, Guys, yeah. you hear that? It didn't sound like it. It sounded like you were natural. So if uh, you lose viewers, then um, my name is Kevin Novinsky and <laughs> Alex has gotten my name wrong twice this entire podcast. So, but no, man, thanks for having me. It was a, uh, it was a good time. Appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. And for all of you out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in for comics and cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and we will see you on fear street.